Hey folks, thanks for tuning in to That's What She Said. Just a little bit of a note, the first maybe 20 to 30 minutes or so of the show, the audio is a little echoey, but it does get it does fi- get fixed. It was just a technical issue. I got it all taken care of, but because I was putting this out late, some of that information for Tuesday, I wanted to get make sure that it got out. And you can hear everything fine. It's not any problem in, in hearing the information. It's just not the normal high-quality audio that we'd like to try to give you here on That's What She Said podcast. But we do fix it. That'll never be a problem again. Just uh, if you can bear with us for the first part of it where it may not sound quite as clean and smooth. But uh, yeah, once we get into I think the the Wednesday racing part and everything on sounds much, much better. So thanks again. Sorry for that. Uh, I never claimed to be a a tech expert, but I I was able to to figure out what what I was doing wrong and what the problem was. So it won't won't be an issue anymore moving forward. Hope you enjoy this episode of That's What G Said Podcast and listen into that new theme song updated by Joey Cleveland. Monday, September the 27th, 2021. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Hope everyone had a nice weekend as we get set for uh, another week here on uh, That's What G Said. We will jump into baseball. There's there's only one week left. Most teams have uh, just about six games or so left. We'll take a look at the standings heading into the final week. We'll do our little quick recap of everything that went down in NFL week three. It's actually halftime right now of the Monday night football game. Dallas is up. Uh, by two scores, 27th at the half over Philly. We will get into the racing portion. We'll talk a little bit about uh, DRF, where we where we handicap the races. We'll talk about Santa Anita a little bit and know what's going to be coming up this weekend. And then we'll get into some actual plays for you. Parks for Tuesday, Indy for Tuesday, Indiana Grand. Wednesday, Indiana Grand. Wednesday, Remington. Best bets for all of those tracks. And then even Thursday. Got a few for you over at Churchill Downs, and then two of our deep dive recaps on this episode of What If. We didn't have that deep dive for you last week, but we're all caught up now. We have a deep dive to episode six with Tim Kelly, and then right after that, we have a deep dive for episode seven with Tim Kelly. So you'll get a lot of What If at the end of this episode, at the beginning, a little baseball, a little football recap, and uh Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday horse racing as we bounce all around. Have to first mention happy birthday to my love, Stephanie, uh, my girlfriend and the mother of Milo. Her birthday is today, so I hope she has a very, very great day. She is as incredible as any person in the world. She takes care of us every day. She, (laughs) to be around me, and as annoying and as as crazy as I am and as weird of a schedule as I have and I'm up late and this and that and I'm always working on on my phone doing stuff. She is unbelievable. I wouldn't be able to have a show put together hours and hours of content and interviews and all that stuff unless I had the most supportive person in the world as a partner that helps me out in every way. So hope uh, Stephanie has a great day. Thank you. I love you. And we will get into 
our episode now that is presented by Better Than Dot Vegas. That's the website. Go to it right now and check it out. There are a bunch of different videos posted by different handicappers from all around the world. You'll see some of the Monday night stuff that I put in plays there. If you follow them on Twitter at BTV Bets, they will post you know sports information and stuff every day. But every single day they have a contest giveaway, and it doesn't cost you anything to get in the contest, and you don't have to do anything. You don't have to answer any questions, nothing like that. All you have to do is help retweet, share, like some of the posts. That's it. They'll give you the instructions. It'll say, hey, retweet this, like this, follow us at BTV Bets. That's it. They'll pick someone who retweeted it. So think about it. It's only going to be you against everybody else who's retweeting that, that thing. It's not like you're playing against a million other people. You'll get the opportunity to get whatever wager is chosen. So Monday night, I think it was the over on the Monday night game, and somebody's going to win 200 bucks for free. It doesn't cost you anything. You don't have to pay. They'll tell you before the game who was selected, and then you get the wager. If it wins, they'll send the money right to you. So they give you money. They're trying to spread the word about better than Dot Vegas. They want to help some of the, the gamblers out there, give you extra few bucks to put in some of your plays. We're giving you content at Better Than Vegas. And there's a live stream schedule of free live streams that are shows, just like video podcasts that help set you up for the football games, some that help set you up for the college games, the pro games, fantasy stuff, gambling stuff, and then some fun shows. Uh, in the backdoor cover in the gymnasium that are uh, also, you know, they will talk sports, but they'll talk about everything that's going on in the world, some fun, get into crazy tangents. So at BTV Bets on Monday, before every Monday Night Football game, 7 o'clock Eastern time, we talk all about what's going on in the Monday Night Football game. Then on Thursday at 7 o'clock Eastern time, we talk about everything happening in the Thursday Night Football game, props. Um, in, in the individual games, we talk a lot more props, player props and stuff, because It'll be more than just the, the side and the total. We'll give you the news on each of the teams, injury stuff, how they did over the last couple of weeks. You know, nice little 30-minute or or, sh- uh, or so um, set up for Thursday, for Monday. Then on Sunday morning, you'll get a, a 10 a.m. There's a fantasy show with a couple of the, the guys from BTV, 10 a.m. Eastern. 11 a.m., I jump on and do the 4th and Inches full Sunday preview. We go for over an hour. We get all of the up-to-date information about everything happening Sunday. So you'll know all the line movement, where the numbers currently are. You'll know all the injury news. We'll throw out players to use in DFS. So lots of information. And everything's free over at BTV. Let's take a quick look in at the baseball standings a week out as there are a, a couple fun races to keep an eye on. We start over in the American League. We're really in the American League East where we have three teams battling for two wildcard spots. Right now, the Yankees are the number one wildcard. They're a game ahead of the Red Sox, and the Yankees are two games ahead of the Blue Jays. So these three, game, these three teams are separated by two games total, and two of them are trying to get in. The Mariners and the A's have an outside shot trying to get in. The Mariners are two games behind the Red Sox, The A's are three games behind the Red Sox, so both of them would need everything to go perfect to try to get in, and the Yankees are in the driver's seat. They have won now six in a row. The Red Sox lost three in a row, and so they put themselves in a spot where the pressure is on for them. It would be great to see a Yankees-Red Sox uh, wild card. We'd all love to see that. 
So Tampa locked down the American League East. They're going to win that thing by eight-ish games. White Sox are going to win the Central by double-digit games. The Astros are five games up on the Mariners and six on the A's. So they're going to win the West by something in that range. That's the American League side. And we have that fun battle for the wild card where there really are five teams trying to get into two spots. And really, it does look like three teams that legitimately have a, a chance with the uh, the last week left. Over on the National League side, the Braves and Phillies trying to battle it out for the National League East. Braves have a two-and-a-half game lead on the Phillies there in the Central. The Brewers are going to win the division easily, even though... The Cardinals have won 16 straight games. That is incredible. And so now they are they are the wild card team now. They are five and a half games up. They'd have to lose their last six and things. So they're basically they're gonna clinch the wild card in the next day or two. And it's gonna be likely the Dodgers and the Cardinals. Because the Giants just continue to win. They won three more games over the weekend. They beat a Rockies team who I think only scored six runs over the weekend after scoring a ton. The Rockies are really good at home for some reason. The Giants just crushed them the last couple times they played. Just some the balls are bouncing the Giants' way all year long, and they're good. The Giants fans get really upset because I'm a Dodger fan when I say things like the Giants have gotten lucky in a lot of games, or they've been very they've been able to get you know. Uh, take advantage of weird things. And let me give you a little bit of an example, right? Because I've watched a lot of these Giants games this year, whether games that we've bet and played on or just watching them to see if they could lose and the Dodgers can can catch a, catch and make up some ground. So in the game, one of the games over the weekend, it was 2-2 two to two in the top of the ninth. And the Giants come up to bat in the top of the ninth. And for the, for the pitcher for the Rockies, first batter up, Ball one, ball two, ball three. So it's 3-0 to the Giants hitter. He throws a strike, and then the next pitch is ball four. So a five-pitch walk. Wasn't like the Giants batter earned the walk because of a graded bat, was fouling a bunch of pitches off or this or that. It was just automatic gift, put the guy on first. Next guy came up, got out, runner still on first, third hitter up in the inning, four-pitch walk. So two, the reliever walked two Giant hitters, Eight balls in nine pitches between those two at bats. And so now you get runners on first and second, and you just got gifted this great spot. The pitcher's in trouble. I don't know that the Rockies aren't a great team, and that happens with bad teams, but like those are a lot of the things that happen with the Giants. And as a Dodger fan, I'm, you know, obviously, you know, rooting for the Dodgers, but I see those things. And when you, it's like what the Chiefs are kind of going through right now. The Dodgers are probably, you know, they're the reigning World Series champion, and they've been the best perennial team over the last five years or so. Eight straight division titles, that record looks like it's going to get snapped unless the Dodgers can really get a little lucky this week. But they, everybody plays a, you know, wants to beat you. They don't care if they're good or bad. They really want to beat up on you. And we've seen some teams just lay down when playing the Giants that they've just crushed. Good baseball team. And the Giants are going to win in the 105-game range. They're, they've already won 102 games. Dodgers are up at 100 right now. Two games behind the Giants with six to play. Dodgers hoping for some luck because that's what they need now. They could go 6-0, and and it, if the Giants go 6-0 and or 5-1, and it doesn't matter. Need a little luck. So we'll see what ends up happening because if you're curious now, at what point, I guess it doesn't really matter, but do you know the Dodgers 
kind of throw up the white flag at some point soon and just kind of try to set up their pitching for the wild card game, make sure everybody's, you know, got the right amount of rest and you have all the options available because you better be ready for a Cardinals team that is playing incredible, incredible baseball. Just one week left in the baseball season. We will do a major preview when the playoffs begin right before that. And uh, we'll, yeah, we'll make predictions. We'll talk about some teams to possibly play. And we'll, uh, we'll find a guest or two to come on and talk a little baseball with us. As the season now is winding down, let's go from baseball to football and just spend a minute or two talking about uh, what we've seen so far in week three. So in, the, in that Thursday night game, it wasn't a beautiful game, but Carolina goes to 3-0 and we see Sam Darnold do what needs to be done in the game where Christian McCaffrey gets hurt. So the Panthers are 3-0 along with the Raiders, Broncos, Rams, and Cardinals. And then on the 0-3 side, you get the Lions, Giants, Colts, Jags, and Jets at 0-3. Washington's defense, probably been the most disappointing unit to me so far this year. If you told me Washington was 0-3, but they were losing these low-scoring games, they weren't able to move the ball as much as Patrick got hurt, I'd understand. But the defense is just, they got called out before the game against the Bills. And while the score in these Bills games are never quite as even when they lost to the Steelers, it they they actually was it was weird. And then both of the games that they've won pretty big, they haven't been as good as the score would indicate. They did look a lot better this week. It, it to me just was more of the Washington defense really looking poor every time we've seen them out there. Speaking of not looking good, uh, Justin Fields did not look good against the Cleveland Browns. They uh, the Browns won twenty six to six. Buffalo won that Washington game forty three to twenty one. Carolina won that uh, twenty four nine against the uh, the Houston Texans on Thursday. So in that Cleveland game against the Bears, you know, Fields didn't look good. And he just, there was no game plan for him. They didn't get creative. They didn't have anything going for him. They didn't have anything ready for him. It looked like, I don't want to say, it it just, this very vanilla. And I don't know if he was put in the best position to succeed. And already Coach Matt Nagy has come back and said, it could be Fields starting. It could be Dalton. It could be Foles. And, you, you know, they didn't start Fields right away. And, and this is probably why. And maybe throughout training camp and in preparation, the coaches knew that Fields wasn't ready to start yet. But I think they still could have made things a little bit easier for him. He had 47 total yards as a team. We'll get really into the breakdown of that game and talk about it a lot when we preview next week's games for each team. But not good for the uh, the Bears coming out of that one. We got a 66-yard Longest field goal ever for the Baltimore Ravens against Detroit. They were missing a ton of defensive players because of COVID protocols. And Detroit was winning this game until late when Baltimore kicks a game-winning field goal, 66 yards, longest field goal in history from Justin Tucker. It bounced off of the crossbar and then through backwards, which you rarely see. And there was a play right before it where it's been – you know, circulating all over social media. And if you've rewatched the game, you've seen that the play clock goes dead, goes down to zero for about two seconds before Lamar hits a big, uh, before Lamar throws the ball away on the play right before. So it actually would have been a 71-yard field goal attempt, and it would not have hit. So if you are a Lions fan, that's just a brutal, miserable way to lose. And if you are 
someone who needed the Ravens, like I did in a survivor pool, maybe you get lucky and end up winning this year. And that's the reason why, because yeah, that was crazy. I put my survivor pool picks in on Thursday and actually played against the Ravens in that spot. I thought it was going to be a flat spot for them. I, I still thought they'd win a close game. And then all the, the stuff about their defensive players that were going to be missing came out. And I knew I was in a little bit of trouble in Detroit. They're feisty. They covered another game here. The Colts are just struggling right now. Yeah, so Baltimore wins that game 19-17. Colts win 25-16. The Colts are uh, the excuse me, the Titans win 25-16. Colts are struggling. They're struggling. They're in some bad shape right now. And the yeah, the the Titans will really look like they're gonna have a stranglehold on that division. Kansas City goes to one and two. The Chargers beat them 30 to 24. Mahomes didn't look that great in uh, in this particular game. And uh, this was a big one for the Chargers as the Patriots. Maybe they were looking ahead to Tom Brady coming back, but they really did not look good against the Saints. Saints gets the win, get the win, twenty-eight to thirteen. There, Saints go two and one. Talk about weird games for the Saints. Beat up on the Packers, get crushed, come back and have all those COVID issues and players missing and coaches missing. Then you go back on the road and you beat the beat the Patriots pretty handily. Ugly game and didn't look good for the Giants losing at home to an Atlanta Falcons team, only able to score 14 game points against an Atlanta Falcons team who looked really bad in the first few weeks. Yeah, that was a bad one for the Giants. Now going to 0-3. And the Pittsburgh Steelers do not look good at all. Big Ben fell over at one point when he just dropped back. They're not in great shape right now. The Bengals, the Bengals, 24-10 with a win there. And the Bengals go to 2-1. and Jacksonville completely fell apart late. They were up 19 to 10 in the third quarter, and basically everything that could possibly go wrong did go wrong. And they they just spit that game out. Poor. They absolutely should have covered that game at least. They look bad. Lawrence looks bad. They just make mistake after mistake. They played really well for around three and a half, two and a half quarters. And it was towards the end of the third quarter where things started to fall apart for them. The New York Jets, they don't look good either. Uh, Arizona kind of quietly going to 3-0. A team I'm going to probably try to play against in some spots moving forward because I don't think they're that good. And the Jets with a bad, 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 bad loss again. 26-10. They just, or 26-0, excuse me. They just, they look inept. Look very inept. Got an OT game between the Raiders and the Dolphins. Brissett did his best, but the Raiders go to 3 and 0. They win this game in overtime 31 to 28 and the Raiders, you know, they they've been good. They've been good so far. They're they're 3 and 0. They uh will we'll see where they end up going uh in weeks moving forward. I don't know if they're necessarily one of the better teams in the league, but they hey, they're winning games and they're getting the job done. The Rams probably look like the best team we've seen so far. Through 2 weeks they didn't look in incredible or unbeatable or anything they just look very solid and this week they stepped it up and you could tell this was an important game for them Sean McVay's flying around the sidelines he was pumped up Rams get to win 34-24 Minnesota was down I think 17-7 to and then they just went nuts Kirk Cousins has been very good through a few weeks and yeah Minnesota gets to win 30-17 to over Seattle who moves to one and two Green Bay beat San Francisco 30 to 28 on Sunday night football. So Green Bay goes to two and one after that bad week one. They've bounced back with a, a couple of victories there. San Fran just really banged up. They got to figure out some things on the offensive side of the ball too with all those injuries. The line hasn't been that great. And uh, Jimmy G 
got got some things to figure out over there. So we'll get into week four of the NFL with Eric later on this week. We'll do our dive where we go into every single game. Look forward to uh, diving into all of those, breaking all those games down for you in just a few days. Now we'll transfer over and start talking a little horse racing. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com friday october the first is opening day at santa anita and we are going to be providing coverage of santa anita every single day they race here on that's what g said podcast we're gonna have segments about santa anita races every stakes race we're going to discuss we'll tell you who we like in those races what the race shapes up like as and if even if it's a good betting race or not you know some stakes races small fields heavy favorites just like any race they're not all great betting races. We'll always be honest. We'll always let you know. Uh, we'll try to jump into those low takeout, late pick five, or, or low takeout, early pick five sequences, and we will share best bets. We'll bring on guest handicappers. So all through October, they're going to be running Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at Santa Anita. They'll have a holiday Monday on October the 11th. And, and if you follow us along on Twitter, it's me, Gino B. We'll be providing additional uh, commentary, best bets, other plays. We'll, you know, any uh, races where the odds look a little off. Maybe we have a, have to call an audible if there's scratches, anything at all. Um, horses pointing to certain big races. I'm going to try to share all that information with you. And we're really going to have a nice focus on Santa Anita 
over the next month and every day of their racing. Then on Saturdays and Sundays, they're going to have the Sports Betting Challenge and a Santa Anita Pick'em. You could win $1,000 if you make the most correct picks mixing horse racing and other major sports props. So you go to SantaAnita.com and look at the contest, the Santa Anita Pick'em, create an account, and use your email address, cell phone, confirm your contact information so you will be eligible for prizes because they want your phone because they're going to send you alerts for text messages um, that you have to confirm to get into the contest. So give them uh, log in all your info there. And then you can check what the card looks like, what the races are and what the props are and, and all the, um, you know, the different combinations of, of uh, you know, things you're going to have to get involved with in order to get in the contest. So you have to pick your winners on that card. You'll, you'll get a point for every successful selection and you can find out all the details of, about exactly what, you know, the rules are and any specific things that happen, but it's free. It's totally free. It doesn't cost you anything to enter doesn't cost you anything to register just go to pickem.santaanita.com complete the electronic registration i will continue to you know post information about this on social media i'll remind everybody when these uh contests are coming up every saturday sunday they're, they're giving out a thousand dollars a thousand dollars every saturday sunday there are weekly you know, or daily contests per that saturday per that sunday and then there's also a season-long contest where the player that has the most points from Saturday, October 2nd through Sunday, October 31st, will receive $1,000. And so think about it. A lot of times that you're, there might be doubles because the person who wins the most, I'm sure, probably won one or two or had a, a high point totals throughout. And even if you miss and you don't win one, but you're second or third all the time and you're close, then uh, you know, you're, you're not getting the, uh, the cat, you know, you're not getting the big, the, the big payouts, then you'll have an opportunity to uh, to get rewarded for your season-long success. If you have any questions about this and uh, you want to look at it a little bit more, let me know. Give me a, a message. Uh, shoot me a question. It's me, Gino B. Or just go to SantaAnita.com. Really excited about providing daily coverage from Santa Anita, of Santa Anita, right here on That's What G Said podcast. Let's talk about the stable duel schedule coming up. So, it's a couple important things at Stable Duel right now. They're going to be starting with the late five contests where instead of having to do a full card, these contests only go through the last five races. And so you'll have to have multiple races, multiple horses per race in your lineup. And you'll generally get the better races on the card towards the end of the day. A lot of the stakes races, a lot of the big feature races. So go to StableDuel.com, download the app. It's free. Create your stable and they are going to be having more of these free contests now in these free games doesn't cost you anything to enter and you are playing for actual money actual cash and so if you you know we all have tough weeks payday get check comes late bills are stacking up sometimes we don't have as much money in the uh in the bankroll to gamble or to, to get some action but you know you're a racing fan and you want to have the opportunity to get some action. Those stable dual free games. Playing for money. You win a couple of those. You finish well. All of a sudden your stable dual account is loaded up now. You start playing in some of the other cash contests. And boom. You make some money. What You withdraw. You're all set. Stable dual free games. Check the stable dual app every single day. If you ch checked it before Tuesday. 
you notice there's a free game at Thistledown. Doesn't cost you anything. Go get involved right now. Totally free with cash prizes. They also have a game uh, that's a uh, $15 entry at Thistledown. At Parks on Tuesday, there's a $15 entry game. There's a $50 winner-take-all. And there's a $100 triple-up contest on Tuesday at Thistledown and at Parks. Santa Anita starting Friday. Going to be a lot of Santa Anita contests coming up. We'll give you tons of information and horses to use in your stable dual lineups there. Keeneland starting next week. Massive contest at Keeneland. Big, big money on the line and up for grabs. Go to StableDuel.com and and click on Shop. And you will see some of my favorite t-shirts out there. They're really funny. And they're really comfortable. They're super affordable, too. So StableDuel.com is the website, and then you can see right on the top, all you have to do is click shop, and you'll get a look at some of their t-shirts that will, will make people give you the double take, and they'll kind of smile. There'll be a talking point. Get the backside is the best side charity t-shirt. That one's only 20 bucks. The Degenerate tee is only 18 The fitted cap, the Stable Duel fitted cap is only 20 bucks. They also have that uh, Stable Duel white logo cap that's 18 You've got the I Hit That shirt that's 18. The size doesn't matter, but lengths do. T-shirt, that one's only 18. The tank top's 15. They have Play, Race, Win, Pint Glasses. The basic stable dual t-shirt, which that same logo is also on a hoodie. That's only 40 bucks. There's a, a nice-looking stable dual vest. That is 50. You have a beanie. Starting to get a little colder now. you got the winter hat. It's only $15. And the Stay In Your Lane t-shirt stableduel.com slash shop check it out we are going to get into some racing now and as i mentioned parks for tuesday here are a couple horses that you should use in your stable duel lineups and horses that i'm going to be playing at parks for tuesday coming off of a pennsylvania derby weekend they crashed uh their entire their uh handle oh, i mean just actually crash crushed i was going for crush just crashed crushed their all-time handle big shout out to john de silva who was on here last week track announcer chris griffin was also on there they did such a great job promoting that day and uh, we saw some big stars show up with big performances and we're gonna play some uh play some races from parks on tuesday let's look to race number three i'm going uh, we got 12 five claimers in here the number four ruby blue looks like an early exotic single to me they're just trying to figure out where exactly he fits and this is a good spot last time he was at the 12 five level at Penn, he was a winner. Recently, he's been facing a little better. Optional 25 non-twos, 25 restricted claimers last time out. I just think you get a little turn back here for a horse who's been showing some tactical speed. Have a little more late punch, and the slight drop should help. The number four, Ruby Blue, who is 3-1 to one on the morning line, we will use as an early exotic single. I had this one stacked a little under 2-1. to one. So anything over that, you know, in the 2-1 in the to one to 5-2 to two range, Maybe even worthy of a win wager, but maybe more like a, an early exotic single as we move to the fourth race. Maiden 20s here. But the race from Uptown Shoes in the debut was actually very good. He had a brutal start in the first 50 yards. It was awful. He got bumped, got crossed over on. He clipped heels. He ended up 15 lengths or so behind. And it, it took him a while to get going and to kind of catch his footing and to get into a nice stride. Once he did... He kept to the outside, and he really got going late. He made up 13, 14 lengths or so, and Uptown Shoes doesn't have to have as bad of a, bit, a beginning in career start number two. 
If he is anything around 5-1, to one, that's a very fair price on Uptown Shoes, the number four in race number four at Parks on Tuesday. Let's move to the seventh race. We're going to look at the five in here. God still loves me. This is like, God loves me. He really loves me. It reminds me of a let it ride. Something that we would all say after we get a big hit. Well, God still loves me. Gets Lasix for the first time. Comes in from Monmouth Park. And he gets a little bit more, or she comes in from Monmouth Park. She gets a little more distance to work with. She comes out of a race that was really, really solid and has come back productive so far. The winner of that one came back to win a first-level allowance at Monmouth next next time out. And the runner-up came back to win a maiden special weight next out by six-plus lengths. Two of the horses who finished in front of God Still Loves Me have come back and run really, really well. I think God Still Loves Me is going to run better in here. The number five, who's 12-1 to 1 on the morning line, I had this one stacked more like an 8-1 to 1 shot. So anything in that range feels fair. As we move to the eighth, we've got a first-level allowance here. I thought the four lease was just in really nice form at the moment. Has done very good work since coming into this barn. And recently, you know, two of the last three races have been on the grass, and they've been very good. I like the fact that she's also, he's also a horse who is probably going to sit a little bit, but he showed a little more speed in his last start. He's been, you know, a bit more, uh, forwardly placed in those races, which I always like. I just like when you have that 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 button you can push, and of course you have Paco jumping aboard. So if he's anything over five to two, I think that's that's value on lease at Parks on Tuesday, six to one on the morning line. Five to two is where I have him stacked. One more time in the third race, the number four Ruby Blue will treat as a, an early exotic single. In the fourth race, the number four Uptown Shoes. Anything over five to one feels fair. In the seventh, God still loves me. The number five, anything around you know. Over six, I, w- I wouldn't want to take less than that. And in the eighth race, uh, lease anything over four, uh, anything, uh, excuse me, lease the number four, anything over five to two. That is Parks on Tuesday. Let's get you to Indiana Grand for Tuesday. We have uh, just a, just two plays, I think, for Indy for Tuesday as we will flip to race number three. And I will take a look at the seven here. So the eight lady Leah is is the, the pace and, and the one they'll all probably have to beat. But Trauma Rama is in very nice form right now. Look at her three most recent grass races, and it's just really tough to knock. And so the key to the race is, you know, is is somebody going with Lady Lee, Lady Leah. Can Magna G-Force, can Go Geo-Woman, can Long-Legged Laverne, somebody get a little bit aggressive, the horse of the outside, Air Turbulence, and just make it difficult on Lee. Lee, if so, I think the horse who will benefit the most is Trauma Rama, who I have stacked around 4-1. to one. So if she is in the, uh, you know, the range above that, we'll, uh, we'll take a swing with Trauma Rama. We'll move to race number 5 here on... Uh, Tuesday over at Indiana Grand, and we're taking a look at the five, the five in the fifth race, and that is Limos Kuna, who's going to go second start off the short break. She comes off of a, you know, a tough spot. That was over at Kentucky. It was on yielding turf. It was going six and a half furlongs, and that's just an easy, easy race to put a line right through, but it was the first start in a few months. She heads back to a horse, a turf course that she's proven over. And I expect her to be much better in this spot where she'll have some nice pace to chase because it looks like K. Sarah Sarah 
you've got you know, Double Dare You, you've got Betcha, Jace Bell, who are all going to be forwardly placed. Wouldn't be shocked to see either of the two horses to the outside, not too far out of it, and that should set up nicely for the five. And those are the two plays for Indiana Grand for Tuesday. Best of luck in your Tuesday plays over at Indy and over at Parks. So we're going to get into some Wednesday racing in just a moment. Apologies on that, folks. We actually, uh, there were some technical difficulties throughout. So it, it was probably sounding a little echoey for portions of the uh, the first part of the show. But we got it fixed, got it figured out. Just wanted to, to, you know, warn you. It wasn't, you know, you could hear everything that we said. It was just, it sounded very much not not very good audio, audio quality whatsoever. So yeah, we'll be better for the rest of this episode. And then that, that's a that problem has been fixed. But just a uh, sorry on uh, on that one as we get into talking about Wednesday racing. But before we do, we have to let you know about SarahCandles.com. C E R A Candles.com. All natural soy wax candles. They are free from toxins. They're free from carcinogens. No pollutants. Those are found in a lot of the other leading candle brands. The folks at Sarah Candles worked on that. That was their focus in getting a candle that was healthier and better for you. That was all natural. And that is what they have tons of different scents for all different seasons. This is a great gift. It's a small business and you can save a few bucks with the promo code G-I-N-O. It'll take 10% off of your order. Promo code G-I-N-O. Holiday season's coming up. Perfect for whatever the mood is. If you're whatever the party that you're going to have, any event uh, for any of your friends that you're not sure you know what to get, maybe for Christmas, for a birthday, for a holiday, candles are great and you can let them know. These are not just a, an ordinary candle. These are better for you. They're healthier. You don't have to worry about the toxins with your families and your friends around, your kids, your your animals, your loved ones. SarahCandles.com, C-E-R-A Candles.com. Get the best performances out for Wednesday, Indiana Grand. We're going to look at races 1, 5, 6, and 8 for September the 29th. We've got an announced race, 6 furlongs in the, the first. And the number 4 long weekend is really, really nice horse. It's a multiple stakes winner, just legitimate horse. I think it's kind of weird that he's kind of racking up these wins in sort of softer spots, and he's still in, in a spot like this. And maybe it's nothing, but if he gets pushed at all, the horse right next to him, Joe Frazier, is is very good. He, you know, he can excuse the turf race in, on July the twenty second in Arlington. They took a shot there, and then look what you're left with. You're talking about races behind Casadero, Jackie's Warrior. The only other time we see really poor races are races that were followed by a layoff in the Springboard Mile, which is probably a little tough. So. Give a look to Joe Frazier if he's anything in that 7-2 to range. As we move to race number 5, and I'm looking at Mama Kamala. And this is a horse who was favored or was favored last time out and got a lot of money at both starts. In her debut, she ran really well. She finished second. She drew the rail sprinting. She came closing late. It was a very nice effort. Career start number two, she stretches out, she gets bet down. She shows a little more speed, but it's kind of in a contested pace. They weren't going fast, but it was on a sloppy racetrack. It's an easy race to excuse. Nice spot here for the two. 
anything in the 7-2 range will make a win wager on uh, Mama Kamala. I'm sure if it's Kamala or Kamala. I, I think Kamala because I think of the wrestler, the Ugandan giant, but who knows. As we move to Indiana Grand, sixth race is a maiden special way going five furlongs on the turf. If you're playing any kind of multi-race exotics, there are a couple in here I think are interesting. So maybe just kind of keep an eye on who's the, the best price. The number two, Ling Ling. The dam won the debut going seven and a half furlongs on the turf at Belmont. This horse seems like she's got some ability. So I would want her in all exotics. And if she's in the five or six to one range, I might bet her to win. I will include the 10. I need a girl like you who I thought ran very, very well first time out. There are a couple horses that I'm going to mention that I think I gave out over the last couple weeks and were in races that were rained off the turf or ended up getting scratched and they're they're back in, in different spots. And I need a girl like you fits very well in here. Anything around 5-1 to one makes sense. The horse to beat is probably the first time starter Liza's ready for Wesley Ward who's been training over at Keeneland. Although I do wonder if she was pretty good if they would just wait another week and run her at Keeneland. So maybe there's a reason why she shows up here and she's not quite as good. We'll go 2, 10, and 11 as the uh, horses to include in some of your exotics there. But 2 and 10 are definitely the more interesting horses to to play on the win end and to kind of build around. Eighth race, Indiana Grand. We're looking Wednesday, September the 29th. I'm looking at the number 10. That is American Diamond, who's going to go second start off the bench. Gets off the rail, second start for Maker. That race over at Kentucky, this is this is another one who I've, I've mentioned previously. That race over at Kentucky is an easy one to toss. Kind of in the, in the mix, involved, and that's just a, a different type of turf course. Many horses don't run well or get tired and just back up. Nine, the uh, nine Santin, the first time starter. There might be a little something here with this one. Maybe use underneath at least. I preferred the ten, but I did think the nine was maybe a, a bit sneaky. Twelve to one on American Diamond on the morning line. Anything over six feels fair. So those are your plays for Wednesday over at Indiana Grand. Race number one, the five, Joe Frazier, around seven to two. Race number two, uh, Mama Kamala, uh, around seven to two. In the sixth race, the two, 10, and 11 are the horses I'm going to build exotics around. And in the eighth race, the number 10, American Diamond, we'd won around at least six to one. That's Wednesday for Indiana Grand. We head over to Remington for Wednesday. Remington's going to join the party. I haven't talked to Remington on uh, on That's What G Said for a while. And we'll jump into Remington here. Looking at the second race for Wednesday. We're looking at September the 29th. And the 7G, she's pretty, just seems to be the best on the turf from what we've seen. Promptly done. Wasn't quite as good. Now that was you know in the debut at Keeneland, so that's probably a different story. But I think she'll be a little over bed, and we, we don't really know if she likes the turf. The 8 should be better on the grass. Blinker's off. The dam was a multiple winner on the turf. I expect her to show more life in here. But the 7 just feels like the one to beat. If she's 7-2, to two, that's that's a fair price on a horse who... Someone's going to have to jump up. If she runs the same type of race as we've seen in her two turf races, she'll win this. And she could be a fair price doing so. That's race two. The 7G, she sparkles 4-1 to one on the morning line. We'd won around 3 and maybe use along with the 8. Let's get to the fifth race at Remington Park. 
for Wednesday. The number one tick tock talk it fits the conditions of this race well. Phillies and Mayors three-year-olds end up which have not won two races in 2021 or which have never won four. Well, she's an eight-time winner, and she's only won once in 2021, but she's finished second twice, she's finished third twice, and she's in really nice form right now. You can excuse one of the poor performances at Will Rogers. It was just a race that was in the slop, and she was way out of it. Seemed like a total toss. That was back in May. Took a couple months off, came back in August. Since then, you've got a win. Came back a third, beaten a half length, and then a, a runner-up at the 62.50 level. Likes this trip. Has run well at Remington. Tossed the slop. The one tick talk. Talk it is 6-1 to one on the morning line if she's 4-1. to one. That's worthy of a win wager. The number 7. Musical Millie. Also think she's maybe she woke up a little bit for the uh, you know for the new barn last time out in an okay race on the grass. Wouldn't be shocked to see her run better as she tries to figure out where she belongs and she drops back down in class. The number seven musical Millie will use a little more underneath the one TikTok talk. It will play to win if we can get over four to one. Let's jump to the sixth race. Maiden special seven and a half furlongs on the turf course. The number seven shotgun up tried the uh, the main track in the debut, and the race came up on a sloppy track. Got a lot of action that day. Was under two to one. He's got a winning turf sib, so he could improve on the turf course in here for a barn who's had a really really good meeting. The number seven shotgun up. If this one's anything around three to one, that's very very fair. I had him stacked like a five to two shot. The nine. Costello's kitten, maybe want to throw him into some exotics too. Wouldn't be a surprise to see a good effort from him. Costello's kitten. And in the eighth race will be our final Remington play for Wednesday. We go to first level allowance. They're going to be going seven furlongs on the main track here. Top the number nine. Secret Potion comes in from Albuquerque. He was in a small stakes race last time out. And in that stakes race, the runner-up was named Canoodling, who was a next-out allowance winner. He's won uh, three of four races there. Secret Potion was a big-time maiden special weight winner, too, back at Lone Star and has done some really good work for this barn. In fact, they've always... Connections have always thought high of him because they threw him into stakes company right, uh, right off the bat in the second start after a good... Runner-up effort in the debut. And he's coming off of some really nice races. Give Secret Potion a little bit of a look in here. 15-1 to on the morning line. I had him about a 6-1 to shot. So that one seemed a little off to me. That is Remington Park for Wednesday. Best of luck in your Wednesday plays over at Remington. Let's bounce over to Thursday. We've got three plays for you for Churchill for Thursday, September the 30th. And the first one is in race number one, Maiden 40 Claimers, a mile and a 16th on the main track. If Make Me Laugh is in the 5-6-1 to one range, it's a good spot. You know, for her, she's just trying to, trying to figure out where she belongs and what she... You know, what she really wants to do. She's going to go second start off the bench. They're going to drop her in class. She's going to try going along on the dirt. She broke out 
she got hooked really wide mid-pack in a maiden special weight race going along on the grass last time out. She didn't have the, the kind of trip she would need to win. It was her first start since February. So I'm not really worried about the poor performance last time out. She drops in class. If you look at who she faced earlier on in her career, a horse named Zajil, who won a grade three next out, and that's a multiple graded stakes winner. Mia Martinez stakes placed. It's not for make me laugh. Anything in the seven to two range? There, trying to figure out who she is, where she fits. We go to race number seven for our second play at Churchill, and we're looking at the number three Soul Dorado, who was on the turf last time out, and they just took a shot. She'd been really impressive in her first two starts, sprinting on the synthetic up at Woodbine. So you come down, you take a shot in a, in a stakes race. It's a huge money, five hundred thousand dollars. She was only 5-1 to one in that race, just to give you an idea of, you know, she stacked up. But it's one of those things where you understand why they take a shot, but then afterwards you can make an easy excuse for it. If she just runs back to her sprint races and she's been training on the dirt, I don't I don't think the dirt is going to be a problem for her based on her breeding. Then number three, Soul Dorado. We've also got her stacked in that 7-2 to two range, so anything around that feels fair. In the 8th race at Churchill, a maiden $10,000 claimer to close out the card. 7 furlongs on the main track. I thought the 5, Futuro. Tried going long on the turf last out. Easy excuse. Put a line right through it. You can look at the two races on the main track were the two best races for Futuro. The 3rd place performance at Ellis when showing speed and fading. And then the sprint going five and a half when finishing third and sitting a little bit coming off the pace. I think you can just toss the turf races, toss the race in the slop. And you're left with two pretty solid efforts. Especially in a race like this that's not that strong. Futuro still lightly raced with a little bit of upside here. The number five. Futuro. In race number eight at Churchill for Thursday. So three plays for Churchill Thursday. We've got the one... Uh, the first race, the number three, excuse me, uh, make me laugh at five to one. Morning line, anything around seven to two. In the seventh race, the number three, Soul Dorado, five to one on the morning line, anything around seven to two. And in the eighth race, the number five, Futuro, eight to one on the morning line, anything around five to one, worthy of a win wager there. And that'll do it for our uh, racing on this episode of That's What G Said podcast. We're going to get into our what if deep dives marvel's animated show on disney plus we're going to do episode six and then episode seven in just a moment before we do we want to talk a little bit about full service realtor cindy carava her website is cindycarava.com and as a full service realtor she can help you in many different ways buying selling leasing maybe you're you know looking at home improvement she can help connect you with you know vendors like painters, landscapers, gardeners, people that she has a lot of experience working with that she's used in her own homes. Maybe you need help with a a loan. She can connect you with the type of lenders that'll get you pre-approved for a home loan. Maybe you're just kind of curious to where you stand in the market. She'll do a free market analysis of your home's value anywhere that you are. She focuses on Southern California, the San Gabriel Valley, and uh, North San Diego. But if you are in an area where you you don't have a lot of help, there aren't people around you that you know or trust, contact her. She has connections all over the place. She'd be happy to put you in touch with someone who knows that area who can really help you out. She is 
one of the kindest and most genuine people I have ever met. And this is the the exact type of person you want on your side helping you, taking care of a lot of the things that are, are, you know, really tough. There's a checklist of so many things you have to deal with when you're moving, when you're relocating. Cindy will help you. She'll take care of all that. CindyCarava.com. Up next, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. What if episode six, Deep Dive with Tim Kelly? We give some uh, big picture thoughts on the episode, and then we get into scene-by-scene thoughts of everything going on in What If episode six. Kick back and enjoy. But it's time for that deep dive. We have episode six of What If to get into. Actually, we're a few days late uh, giving you the deep dive on six, but we're going to do episode six. We're also going to bring you episode seven, and I'm going to record with Tim. And so Tim, who joins us now, what's a little interesting, uh, TK, is that for the first time we've actually seen, you know, this episode and the following episode before we even talked about this one. Although in this particular show, it's not – at least yet from what we know Episode 6 was what if Killamonger Saved Tony Stark um, It's not as if this episode Is directly impacted By events from episodes 4 and 3 It's more of like an overall sort of tone And kind of some of the rules they're establishing And things like that We don't necessarily see It's not like if you're watching a show And here's what happened last week Kind of you know where you have to pick up mm-hmm. Based on everything um, So that that's you know it doesn't it Doesn't necessarily matter in, in, in that Sense but you do get a mm-hmm. much Different feel of episode 6 Versus episode 7 that we're going to talk about A little bit after as far as what was it three, four, five, and 6 Were pretty heavy episodes Yeah very serious Very dark much different than anything Episode 7 we won't Talk a whole bunch of specifics about it Now but it is much, much lighter of a, of a tone and a feel throughout. Oh, definitely. Episode 7 was kind of a, a reprieve, I feel, from a, a, a stretch of pretty heavy, you know, dark episodes, like you said. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I felt the turn even a little bit in, in Episode 6. There was some hope. There was these glimmers of, of positivity there with Shuri. Uh, and it seems like that's, this, this story is going to continue and possibly have uh, a happy ending, whereas some of the previous ones... Uh, were more final. You know, it, was, yeah. it, it ended on a down note, and but it was really down because it was final. Like Doctor Strange, that's the end of that story. <laughs> There's yeah. no redemption arc. So yeah, it, it was it was nice to um, kind of continue the trend of of mixing it up. Basically, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we had a, a stretch of kind of dark episodes, but they were they were still there was a variety there. And then this one, because it had that glimmer of hope, and also a little bit of that Iron Man fun. To it, uh, yes. I thought that it it, it had a it, it felt like you know we were feeling the ebbs and the flows and we were kind of back on the upswing and in, in a positive direction mm-hmm. at least by the end of the episode. Yes, and the there was you know you and I have both talked a lot on this show and um, with each other off air too. I'm I'm never into spoilers of anything that I watch, yeah. any shows. Any movies I'm a wrestling fan You know sometimes I won't be able to watch shows On the east coast feed so I'll I have to stay off twitter a little while Because I don't want to get things spoiled for me Later I just I like to be able to watch it myself And kind of take it all in so I never Like to look at stuff until after But I did see it in a couple different places And read that there was a A list of episodes That got um that got Released somebody had like a spoiler List of like the the episode Titles sort of are like the topics that All of the episodes were kind of leading Up and honestly I still didn't look At the 
at the the last couple. But what I had mm-hmm. heard and read in some of the recaps were that they the the episodes were, did end up getting flipped. And you might be able to kind of tell in one or two things that that we can point out mm-hmm. when we get into our recaps. But I do think the Thor episode, which is going to be seven, and we're going to talk about that after, is uh, it was supposed to be earlier. I think two, maybe wow. two episodes earlier in, and they decided to change it, put it a little bit later. And I, I'm not exactly sure the main reason why they did or what they what they felt, but if they were wanted to go, you know, all of the more serious ones and then the, the Thor one or whatever it was, but the, the, that was something that was out there. And there were one or two things that we will mention in, involving the Watcher where you might be able to, mm. to notice that because the Watcher we've seen kind of get a little bit closer to us right. as these episodes have gone. And in, in the episode that maybe in seven that comes up after, there's a scene or two that doesn't – that looks like he may be farther back again. And so it may be a, mm-hmm. a little off. We'll get to that too. But um, this episode in particular we're going to get into now, what if episode six, what if Killmonger saved Tony Stark? What was so great about this particular episode in general is that we – it brought back – I mean one the best villain, one of the best villains yeah. in the MCU, in in movies in general. Just Michael B. Jordan is an incredible actor. He anything that he does is going to be really, really good. And him as Killmonger is such a great villain. Again, something we've hit on in many of our conversations. The best villains, the best bad guys are the ones who really have a purpose. And who genuinely believe what they're doing is not bad. He feels like he is on this redemption arc just trying to make good because this this guy and when he was a kid and in this story and in in, you know, Black Panther where we see him, he his origin story is is pretty similar in that he had a really troubled life. I mean, he was alone from from very young as a kid. And then he became this Navy SEAL. He was trained. He went to the best schools. He's not only a badass fighter, but he's also very, very smart, as you can see. Like he's on the level yeah. with the Tony Stark almost when it comes yeah. to tech and that kind of thing. So um just getting this guy back in our life, and I'm 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 almost positive now that we're gonna get Michael B. Jordan again. Mm. Based right? Don't yeah. you think based on the multiverse, the everything, the timelines, all this, and in even in a way that it feels un- even uncomfortable talking about, but just with the whole future of Black Panther and Wakanda, yeah. with the fact that you know the T'Challa character isn't going to be around anymore, there's there's a story that they can tell, even if Killmonger is in some way there. I, you know, I'm not I'm not sure if yeah. that's there. It's just getting Michael B. Jordan back here was something that just really stood out to me. I love that we got his voice. There were a lot of cool stories about how he's a just a, he's an anime fan, so we saw that and they yeah. played they played into that in a couple things here and he is someone that just feels like he belongs in the MCU. Absolutely. Uh yeah, he's probably one of the top MCU villains if not the best one to exist. And they really did him justice in this episode. Uh like you said, he's brilliant and that that they played that up. Uh, not just with his engineering skills, almost on the level of Tony Stark or perhaps matching them, 
but also in his uh, you know conniving and his uh, his, his cunning, his his plan. He was he was, he was so on the level of Baron Zemo, and in, in better in than Zemo, Black Panther, even. right? I mean, you're just like his right. plan to try to get the throne last time. This was unbelievable. Double crossed mm-hmm. and double cross manipulate, but just play it like he knew how he was playing Tony Stark the whole time. He knew exactly how he was playing the the you know uh, T'Chaka, and once he got into Wakanda, it was just. Incredible conniving You said manipulation Just awesome like smarts From this guy you had to step back and just go wow Yeah they I mean they really did Him him justice he was uh, he was a Threat and he was a formidable foe like absolutely He was so good in fact that he Almost takes on the role of like the protagonist You know we're following him for the <laughs> Most of the story and he's doing these terrible things But you almost start to root for him because You know yeah. like you said he has a motivation that's kind of pure we do know you know he he says at one point that he, his his father was killed by gang violence but we know that his father was killed by tachaka mm-hmm. so he's got this this feeling like he's got the the right to this throne and that he was betrayed you know by this uh, by his his uncle and that that side of his family so he uh, he has a right to the throne of wakanda and that's there's sort of a righteousness to that and um you know his motivations are the same as they were in black panther and then his story throughout there kind of plays out in this dark version of what we saw in in black panther only this time he's he's winning every step of the way the you know at the beginning we also see that when he saves tony and how much it impacts and how much it changes tony not having to go through what he did in afghanistan in the cave no missile no shrapnel how much I mean, physically, mm-hmm. obviously that changed Tony, but, but just emotionally, mentally, how him not having to go through that suffer and see some of the things that he saw, you know, have the interactions that he had with some of those people. He wasn't not like he was a bad person here, but he was still a little bit of a dick. You know, he was still drinking yes. a lot. He wasn't he didn't have his complete redemption himself. You know, he wasn't the good, good guy that won't. He he wouldn't have been really a superhero here, you know. He wasn't selfless at this point. He had exactly. selfish motivations with things because. So it was it was really interesting to see how somebody saving him ended up making him a worse person, and we don't get Iron Man because right. somebody else saved him. That was something I didn't think I was quite ready for in this episode, but it, it was really intriguing how they did that, and they've they've really done. Um, and I I can't imagine it's by a coincidence. Um, a job is this the third or the fourth time that Tony's gotten it now? In, in, I think in one so. Of these, in these episodes, I think it's the third. In, it's in, just... in in this, does he? I think he died and turned into a zombie, right? Yep. He was off in the uh, assassination one. I'm forgetting mm-hmm. who killed him. Uh, uh, Pim. Hank uh, Pim. That's right. Hank Pym killed him, and then now uh, in this <laughs> yeah. one later in the episode by Killmonger. Yeah. But I, I love that point that you made there because I, it was a thought that I had, and it's a parallel between six and seven here, is that we lost the hero version of the, these characters. The, yep, the, you're absolutely Tony right. Tony Stark and Thor still exist in both six and seven, but they're not the heroes. They're they're not bad guys. Uh, maybe Tony's oh, no. a little bit more yeah. bad because he's yeah. a military, but they're not good guys. They, they're not the heroes. They're more just adventurers. It's so weird, yeah. right? You wouldn't think that removing... <laughs> Uh, uh, you know, you know, or being saved would make you then then being the one who had to kind of go through it to really hit everything to think you were dead to not even think you were going to get out of there to see how bad it really is that that made change Tony and then Loki 
of all people or yeah. all things, it was Loki that actually made Thor a better person that we're going to talk about, yeah. you know, later, which is uh, that is a great point. And these two, it does hit home quite a bit in episodes um, six and seven. And the the ten rings are mentioned very early in uh, mm-hmm. in this, which is interesting with uh, with Shang-Chi having been out. We'll get to Shang-Chi at some point uh, coming up in the next little bit. What's nice about that is that, you know, there isn't an, another episode coming up next week. So even if we, if we get Shang-Chi a little bit later, it's not quite as time sensitive as some of these uh, what ifs wanting to kind of stay on top of them. Um, and and then we see how Tony's relationship now with Killmonger ends up impacting the relate his relationship with some of the people that were closest to him in in his story. Yeah. Pepper, Happy, Rhodey, they're not his, you know, in his inner circle as much. It becomes this him and, and Killmonger against the world thing that um it, it is interesting to see from the outside, you know, how all of them feel about Killmonger when he comes in and sort of takes some of the roles that were uh, were destined for them. Yeah. Yeah, happy being the most uh, kind of sad for me. <laughs> uh, that's kind of funny the way that's, that I just phrased that. I didn't intend that. Happy but, being um, sad. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, that that was that was a sad moment there, kind of when he 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 was supposed to have that role of like head of security, um, and it, it gets appointed to Killmonger, which you know makes perfect sense in the you know to Tony Stark in that moment, given the context of what he understands. Um, but. But it's uh it's it's a uh, it's sad to, to see I think the saddest part is Tony and and how he doesn't learn any lessons um and I, I, you kind of mentioned that before that he doesn't have that experience in the cave to, to like have him have that change and I think one of the most important aspects of that is uh and forgive me I'm forgetting the name of this character but it was the Middle Eastern man who was the scientist in the cage mm-hmm. like that is I think the the key and his, that man's sacrifice. That character sacrifice um, was, I think, the thing that really flipped on the switch of, of compassion within uh, Tony's heart. He had to go through that that rough experience and really feel what it was like to to you know to be a victim and to not have control and to you know have everything taken away from him, but to also be there side by side with that man and see what he was going through and see also the what he was inflicting upon the world with his weapon, his weaponry that he was producing and sending out there, that there were people just like that man that were Yinsen. suffering. Yinsen, right? Yinsen, yes, thank you, Yinsen. Yes. And was, uh, uh, yeah, that you, like, you, you could feel him mm-hmm. sharing the experiences that Tony wouldn't yeah. have ever. That's one of those things where you wouldn't, you know, they they always tell you if you, you know, want to learn a language or want to really, you know, experience a culture, you have to go there. It's, you can't read a book mm-hmm. about it. You can't, you know, yeah. and you got to go there for more than a day or two. You know, if you want to really, if you're doing some, that's why people that study for roles or write a book or movies, they go live in places for six months or a year to study them and really, you know, in, you know, understand how everything works. Right. Um, and that's, you know, that was what was missing from Tony. He's drinking every time we see him, every right. time we see him, he's got a drink in his hand, you know, and that was. One of the major things that changed with him when he got out of being that party boy, playboy, and became the hero. That, you know, the most important thing to him was saving people and saving the world. And the, uh, yeah, the change is, is, is definitely stark, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, <laughs> the, uh, thing that excited me is the Shuri Pepper team up tease that we got at the end. 
two really yeah. smart females just just ready to uh to kick some ass. So I can't wait for that and seeing where that goes. Um, always nice to hear Paul Bettany back. We got uh, a yeah. Jarvis popping up in here for uh, a moment. And um, they even had mentioned, you know, the the anime reference, and that Killmonger's costume was based off of a Dragon Ball Z character. So a lot of anime. I saw something about that. Yeah. In this for uh, Michael B. Jordan, who mentioned how big a fan he was of anime. We got uh, another look at a uh, Clow, the uh, mm-hmm. the Andy Circus evil Clow, yeah, who plays a great bad guy too. He just is a guy that you just hate and you just want to punch. And uh, yeah, this. This was another very good episode. John Favreau was back for uh, Happy. Mm-hmm. Don Cheadle was playing. Uh, was back for Rhodey. We, which was uh, notable in the same way that um, Mark Ruffalo was kind of notable for showing point. up in that era. In that mm-hmm. era, when it was a, he was a different person uh, mm-hmm. that, or a different actor playing him. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's a great point. Very You're cool right, to though. see Don Cheadle in that era as Rhodey. What if episode six? Let's get into the deep dive here. As uh, we jump in, what if every journey has a beginning, but change one step along the way and you could end up at a very different destination? We open with Tony. He's in the the convoy uh, driving through Afghanistan with some of the soldiers who want to take pictures with him. They're all, you know, he's he's a big star. He's a big deal. And and he's messing around. He they throw up the peace sign, which is always, uh, you know, that, that's Tony's thing throughout. And it's it's interesting right off the bat here. I love peace. I'd be out of a job without peace. And right. then there's the uh, the attack on Stark's convoy and all of the uh, the soldiers around him who are guarding him end up getting, you know, taken out and killed one at a time. And so Tony you know gets out of the car. He's trying to escape. And there is a missile that he's, he's laying on the ground in the desert. There's a missile that ends up landing right in front of him and he sees it. And on it, it says Stark Industries. And this is very much similar to uh, Wanda, you know, and, and her story seeing the missile as a as a kid with the with the stark industries on it like that and we know in iron man he ends up you know getting blown up and the shrapnel and everything ends up happening and he has to have the uh the you know the technology to keep him alive in this particular case out of nowhere here comes killmonger he picks up he picks it up and he throws it before it's able to explode so he saves tony's life he's able to get tony out of that desperate situation, he looks very badass, like uh, like he you know does in in the live action. And Michael B. Jordan is back here in the MCU, so a pretty action filled sequence right off the bat here, TK. Yeah, I liked how they did a pretty much shot for shot recreation of the first um, uh, Iron Man movie here. There's a there's a little things that are different. Uh, I saw a video that kind of pointed out all the little differences, like he's using a flip phone in this instead of like, I think a, a sidekick in the original mm-hmm. one. Yeah, that was funny. Um, You're right. Yeah, they don't mention the spray of bullets. MySpace, right? Yeah. Is that one of them too? Right. My, no MySpace <laughs> mentioned the spray of bullet. Like the pattern is basically the same, but, but different. Like it's just a different pattern. It happens at kind of the same way, but it's totally different on the, on the side of the car. Um, and I just think it's, it's, it's really worth mentioning too. kind of going back to my point from before, how now we're seeing this moment here where Tony watches all these guys that he was just with, all these young soldiers killed right in front of him. And so that now becomes kind of this new impetus for like his his motivation moving forward. Mm-hmm. And, and 
Uh, and it's because it, but he doesn't get the second half of that journey, which is where he meets Yinsen and sees the effects that his weaponry is having on the other side innocent of the people, people that are there. Yeah, the innocent people uh, and that are there are people just like Yinsen in these countries that, you know, he he's building the bombs that are getting dropped on those same countries. So uh, like he he never makes that connection. He only gets cut off in his journey right here seeing these young men get slaughtered in front of him. So it, it sends him in a little bit of a different direction. Instead of wanting to save the world, he kind of wants to avenge these guys. We um, then see Lieutenant Killmonger, who has a, his name tag there. He mentions the Ten Rings. As the Ten Rings have reinforcements in route, let's move. And and they're, they're on the way. And um, they are off together quickly. And we get a montage as the Watcher lets us know that heroes are not born, they are forged in darkness, shaped in battle, defined by sacrifice. We actually get a little look at at Iron Man and Tony Stark as Iron Man on, on the different timeline in the different universe where he was going through sort of like some of his greatest hits, some of, some of his mm-hmm. big moments. And then the Watcher lets us know that that's not what's happening now because things are different because of this scene that we just saw where – Killmonger saved him this is not Going to be the Iron Man that We know and mm. We so what'd you what'd you think about That I kind of like how they've done that too they We definitely got a look at that in, in seven And I hadn't noticed it quite as Much I don't think until some Of these more recent episodes where Oh hey look this is what remember What happened this isn't happening and they They show you even a couple things of what did Happen in fact I think they Take Robert Downey Jr.'s Voice in mm. one of and they actually play his actual voice from the movie at at one of the one of the points in this episode when I think it was there, but he's not. It's not him actually voicing his character. So you do get RDJ to pop up because they use they they've done that in some um some of these episodes too where they replayed an exact clip or something from one of the movies mm-hmm. the some of the the similar sound and uh, you can kind of you can notice that here. So uh, yeah, that was it's very. It is very jarring when you see, oh yeah, this was this was Iron Man, not going to be him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it is like uh, to lose that linchpin of the MCU. I mean, the the guy who kicked off the party, really. I mean, he started it in 08, uh, This whole MCU journey that us as an audience has been on, um, that's meaningful, I think. So to to have seen uh, this character die in so many ways now. Uh, and now to have him sort of die metaphorically, that the hero of Tony Stark just never exists here, is never born. Uh, yeah, that's super meaningful to this universe um, and, and to us as fans and, and, and viewers. So uh, right th- there is like a very rich, um, you know, subject matter for this episode to uh, to explore. We now get a, a flash to the press conference. Uh, Stark Industries is having a press conference And Tony is speaking to the media a Reporter asks him were you injured In the attack no I didn't spill My drink at 26 McAllen so I'm Pretty sure it's a war crime um, they It's ask like a million were, dollars a bottle a, a, like that, right? Oh my gosh it's it's un, Yeah it was it is like so Literally expensive. a million one of the more rare <laughs> Drink uh, even out There and just is supposed to be incredible um, so great, cool little inside references here with him. One of the reporters asked him if he learned any lessons. <clears throat> Again, we're getting you know Tony smartass. Oh, I know I did never travel anywhere that has, that doesn't have a Four Seasons. They asked if the experience changed him. 
And he said, I saw young Americans, Americans killed by the very weapons I created to protect them. This is the point that you just hit on. His his experience is different. And what he saw affects him way differently than what he saw when he got captured and what he saw when, when he got blown up. And so we then get um, Mr. Stark actually promoting Lieutenant Eric Stevens, Killmonger, the Navy SEAL who saved his life. He's going to make him the new chief security officer happy is not happy as you said he's pissed (laughs) he is sad happy is sad so that's a load of bull this was supposed to be my promotion and here comes uh obadiah who is excited uh, to see tony back but we actually get the reveal pretty quickly here that you know obadiah who's sort of the bad in iron man one you know one Mm -hmm. of the bads in the beginning he he is flushed out very quickly we yeah. we find out very quickly in here that he's the bad and and he's doesn't have anything really anything else to do in this episode because Killmonger is doing a great job of manipulating the situation. Yeah. He's playing all the pieces here. He's really endearing himself to everyone by saying, "Hey, look, I flushed out the bad guy." You know, he's not yeah. lying about it. The one of the reporters, in fact, it's Christine. She sort of is asking some of the questions about Killmonger. How come he knew where you were going to be or how come, why was he there? You know, she's asking and uh, you know, Eric Stevens walks in and says, Oh, Hey, you're right. I knew what was going on. I actually was able to catch some of these plans that they were going to, they were trying to kill Tony and uh, he outs Obadiah. He says it was because yeah. of Obadiah. So this was genius, a great move from someone when you're trying to become buddy, buddy with anyone, when you're trying to really relate with someone, you got to do the, uh, the Facebook or the Instagram deep dive. You got to see what things they're interested in, right? Like, what do they like? Let's share some common interests. Yeah. Killmonger's done his research here. I mean, he really is playing all sides. Uh, I mean, everybody almost globally, uh, from the beginning of this episode, Onward and um, very cool in this scene to kind of uh, see. You mentioned Christine Eberhardt, the reporter there, uh, popping up again. We get Leslie Bibb back uh, as the voice of, of her. Uh, and then what a what a strong move to just out uh, Obadiah Stane at this point in the uh, in the episode, like so early on in the journey. It totally cuts off the whole. What was it? What was it called? Ironmonger, I think the, the the bad guy at the end of Iron Man. We don't mm-hmm. we'll never see that in this universe either. Um, and uh, uh, very interesting. I thought, oh, very cool. Jeff Bridges uh, back voicing uh, Obadiah Stane in this. No, was wrong about that. Looked it up, and uh, Jeff Bridges was not back. A guy who did a very, very good Jeff Bridges impression. Um, totally so, agree. Um, great. Shout out to that because I, I didn't notice at all. I literally thought it was the real Jeff Bridges doing Obadiah. So um, very cool scene and and super important. Like it, it basically spell it out for you in this uh, with with this line of questioning of like. Did Tony Stark uh, ha- learn his lesson? No, he he certainly did not. He in th- that informs the rest of uh, his actions throughout this episode. Obadiah tries to, oh, oh, what do you mean? It wasn't me. Oh no, you know. And but Killmonger, uh, Killmonger tells him, oh hey, uh, I uncovered the plans to assassinate Tony Stark on a deep cover operation. Said uh, those plans were bankrolled by COO Obadiah Stane, and he says. Uh, I got receipts, wires, transfers, bank documents, phone records. Google it. I just dropped it all online. (laughs) Boom. Well done. Well done here, Killmonger. So even and, you know, at at this point, too, of the episode, we we you know, we've mentioned it at the beginning and we um, everyone that's listening to this is 
I'm assuming has probably watched the full episode too. We don't even know that he's going to turn bad at the end. We really don't know that right. he's he's got bad motivations here. We we genuinely think maybe this is a different version or this guy or you know maybe he's going to he he's going to try something a little different. He he does, but he still wants the same thing and he still you know doesn't really care who he has to kill to get it. And um yeah, Pepper happy, you know, she's he's kind of questioning him a little bit at the beginning, but I think after he outs Obadiah, Happy's sort of along because he hated Obadiah too. So that was the moment where he mm-hmm. sort of endeared yeah. himself to Happy. But Pepper can still sense it. She's questioning him. Yeah. Wait, he's you're giving him Obadiah's job, and he even said, you know, what what's going on here? And um, in fact, he quickly steps him up to COO. So he gives him Happy's job, then he gives him Pepper's mm-hmm. job, and. You know, this is all, all as they're bonding and, and becoming buds here. So Pepper can can sense something is uh, is a little off. Yeah, which is great. I love uh, Pepper getting her due here. Um, and uh, like you mentioned earlier, it's kind of a strong female uh, presence in this in this story. We get Pepper in the beginning, kind of onto it from the jump, and then we get Shuri kind of figuring it all out in the end. Uh, very good use of those characters. Um, Pepper is so integral to the story of, of Iron Man that if we lose Tony Stark as the hero, we need Pepper to kind of step into that that place. Uh, it makes sense. Absolutely. As they have a, a drink, that's when he asks, uh, tells him he wants him to be by my side 24-7 as my new COO. He says, you, me, will be like Butch and Sundance. She says, Tony, they died at the end. <laughs> and he's, <laughs> he's you know, oh, he doesn't care. He's on one. And he... The one thing about this Tony, too, is he feels very, very indebted to Killmonger for saving his life. Real through all of his actions and some of the things that he's willing to um, toe the line on that he may not have that he may not have before. Even things that Pepper tells him, I don't know, we should do that. He's willing to do whatever Eric Stevens Killmonger asks him to do because he feels like he owes him. And yeah, it makes him easier to manipulate in that regard, right? Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Is uh, they sit there, they laugh, they have a drink, and Pepper goes to ask Rhodes about Killmonger. Colonel Rhodes, what can you tell me about him? Our knight in shining camouflage. Rhodes doesn't really have anything bad to say. You know, he graduated Annapolis at 19, MIT a year later, and made a name for himself joining the SEALs, part of an elite ghost squad that specializes in high target wet work. The, the line after this was funny. <laughs> uh, Pepper says, Please tell me that's plumbing. Assassination <laughs> so A lot of blood on his hands And says that he's done pretty good for a kid From Oakland they reference where he's come from And he says what's your concern Pepper other than the killing part She just like anyone who would Come around their rich friend Is is gonna you know Sniff around and say a lot of people want yeah. Something from Tony what is this guy What's his real motivation right well He's got a major red flag too And that's that he goes by the nickname Killmonger <laughs> Like, let's just start like, right it's, there. It, what's his name? Oh, Killmonger? <laughs> you know, well, I think they had the joke earlier when he meets Tony. Tony's like, is that a German name? He's like, no, it's a nickname. Like, well, well shit. Like, how do you get the name Killmonger? That sounds like a, a, a rough uh, person there. I don't know. Kind of a, a ruthless kind of person. So uh, I can see why Pepper can see right through him from the beginning. Yeah. So she's trying already to get some information out of Rhodes, but he doesn't really have anything to give her. And then we uh, get a look at 
Stark just like anybody's would he's he's bringing uh, Eric down to show him his cars here mm-hmm. here are all my, these cars I built myself uh, except for that Lambo that's 3D printed shows him <laughs> some of the weapons repulsor tech and he's got the uh you know the fire the the big arm uh kind of cannon there and they're they're just sort of chatting back and forth they share stories about their their fathers we know how they both don't have their dad anymore what does your old man used to say oh yeah peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy and mm-hmm. tony asks you know eric about his father he died to gang violence this is the, the line you mentioned weapons in the wrong hands wish no one had to fire them at all this is where killmonger finally sort of reveals himself a little bit and he talks about his doctoral thesis that he had Says I developed plans for an automated combat drone. Thought I was going to make human soldiers obsolete, but I could never crack the interface. You say that to someone like like him, you know what I mean? That was like it, it's like telling one or you or I to come talk some Marvel MCU with them. You right. know what I mean? This is like the bait right there. Hey Gino, yeah. can you help me with this race, this horse? You know what I mean? Like it just <laughs> right. absolutely no problem. We'll we'll talk your ears off with it. And so Tony is just eyes light up. You never had me. Let's do it. Let's build your science fair project. You saved my life. I'd like to return the favor. And he doesn't even wait for a response. Jarvis, search the MIT doctoral thesis database. What's the name of the project? He asks him, Liberator. You got an ear for branding. I'll give you that. And boom, he pulls it up right there. And he's looking at his designs. And he even says, wow, bold design choice. Uh, Eric says, what? I like anime. And uh, um the Iron Man here, Tony, makes one of them. Worst case scenario, we'll end up with the world's most expensive Gundam model. So um, they just get to work, and Tony's fixated. Like we've seen with him when he gets working, he's just focused on this project. He will stay up all hours, do anything he can to to you know get a breakthrough here with this. As uh, he actually mentions, we're gonna need. You know, FPV wiring, nano circuitry, and Bloody Marys. The hangover is starting to kick <laughs> in. So he's still drinking, nonstop drinking. And uh, it it didn't take much, Tim. Just a little bit of a line. And, and Tony took the bait instantly. Oh, yeah. You got to do it. was a little bit of a Tom Sawyer thing, right? Like, uh, I'm having so much fun painting this fence over here. Like, and then get, getting uh, Tony Stark to do the work for him. Uh, like, very cool. I love that they went. Uh, there, you know, with this Gundam sort of uh, anime reference in, in the episode, it's it's just another reason why uh, or example why uh, what if uh, is so great and why it, it's it can do a little bit of everything. It can sample all these different aspects of pop culture and from manga and anime uh, to zombies uh, to you know uh, house party shit and in episode seven, like very cool. Uh, a mix of of styles and, and things that we're dealing with, and uh, like I love you mentioned it earlier, but there's that nod also to the fact that Michael B. Jordan's a big anime fan. So just putting that in there, his character actually saying like I love anime, like that's just an, another like little Easter egg for fans, and that's what the show is really all about. They it, it could call it Easter eggs, the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, the yeah, Stark and uh, Stark is on the on the uh, the mission now. He's working. He starts building to help his friends and the operations test. Stark Liberator drone Mark One Showtime. And so we see some of their tests going on here. And there's a failure. He says uh, it, it kind of it, it falls over. And Tony says it's only a failure if it explodes. And then the thing explodes. Right. 
He says, okay, that changes things. So they're back to work again. <laughs> Trial, error, they're going to continue through it. Is, Some good uh, comedy there. Like, it is. It, like it's not just a, a one-note dark episode. Like, this no. had that fun Iron they Man were buddies. kind of a vibe. They were, they were seeming yeah. like they were buddies. They really were. Yeah, this uh, it had a nice ebb and flow. And another reason why uh, I, I felt like it was it was kind of building towards the upswing is this episode had some good comedy in it. Tony realizes that they need another power source. If we can miniat- miniaturize an arc reactor. No, that's a dumb idea. Yeah. Killmonger <laughs> mentions, yeah, uh, what we need is vibranium. With the right juice, it can act as a self-sustaining energy source. Tony agrees. You, you know, you're thinking. Too bad Pops used the last of it during the war. Hmm, not all of it. Killmonger shows his necklace in which he has some vibranium. Tony is sort of shocked. Where did you get this? He said it pops up all over the globe. You need the right hook. So Tony thinks that he might have a guy to get more. And they mention Ulysses Clow. Pepper does not want to get involved with him whatsoever. Tony is arguing, though, as that he is determined to help Eric. He's determined to get this project, and now he realizes that vibranium could absolutely be a key in in moving this and expediting this process. But again, Eric does such a great job here. He agrees yeah. with Pepper. He says, uh, "Tony, you know, Pepper says, Tony, we can't fraternize uh, fraternize with black market and arms dealers." She says, "Tony, I agree. Listen." The shareholders are going to flip unless we secure some kind of diplomatic cover. He he agrees with Pepper. She even looks over at him like, what the hell? This isn't right. He's supposed to not be agreeing with, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to hate this guy. And, uh, and he, but he says, unless we have some sort of diplomatic cover. So he sort of drops it, knowing that Tony immediately is going to say, we'll send Rhodey. He's U.S. Air Force. Mm-hmm. He's the company's military liaison. We're all uh, above board. Killmonger agrees it's a great idea And they don't even Once they've figured out How to do this now They don't even look back at Pepper They don't even look at her for Agreement for are you okay With this they just Oh here's what we're doing boom do it And we're we're done so she is Definitely getting pushed out Of that inner circle The decision making oh yeah Yeah that's a telling moment right there I mean just the fact that she doesn't have like a, a role anymore. She doesn't really have a voice within the organization. It's just all whatever Killmonger wants. And he's so far ahead of the game that he's playing Pepper. He knows how Pepper is going to react and what she's going to say. And he's counting on that, in fact, because he knows exactly what he's going to say back to it. And he wants there to be a UL government liaison there because he's going to set up uh, you know, a global conflict right now. That's the scale that he's operating on. Uh, in order to um, achieve his aim, which is to take over the throne of Wakanda, which I don't think at this point in the story is is super clear to us. Even no, we don't. Even I mean, know. I'm not sure at which point you mentioned that earlier, and like I've seen the episode twice now, so it's not as fresh uh, in terms of like what I knew when. But uh, like on on first watch, do we know 100 percent if he's bad by this point? I mean, no, I'm sure it, it, they, they still don't. The hat to I, it. And I think but, yeah, this, at this point. This was the one where they're doing a really good job because he does something to sort of um, relate to Happy. And then this moment, he sides with Pepper right. to, again, take himself out of being the bad guy. So we still don't even know if, at, you know, at this point, we could be thinking maybe Pepper's wrong. You know, maybe right. maybe it's just one of those stories where yeah. at the end she ends up saying, I was wrong about you all along. You are a good guy or, you know, whatever it is. And there was some exactly. other villain. 
we didn't we didn't and it's, know it's a multiverse right it's a multiverse <laughs> so we, we as an audience like have that expectation that this could be a very different version of the character a good person could be bad in this verse in this universe and a bad person could be good uh Absolutely. you know or what so what we know from the characters in the other universes is not necessarily going to be consistent so yeah it does kind of leave that like a little bit ambiguous and that adds to the fun i think mm-hmm. of it because yeah you could be thinking as an audience member that that oh they're they're kind of tipping the hand that he's bad, but they're going to twist at the end that he was good after all. He actually had some inciting incident earlier on in his life that actually set him on a, a, a different course and became an, a, a true hero. It could be, a, you know, uh, any number of things. So mm-hmm. it's a very cool. Like, I think just, again, just not, what not knowing this, knowing that for. we don't know. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So anything can happen. Anybody can die at any point. Yep. The, we then look at, uh, Rhodes and Clow and Clow showing Rhodes. So we're we're seeing this deal go down where they're apparently going to get some vibranium. Clow tells him to break out the fine china. Not every day the Americans get down in the muck with the likes of me. And he shows they're in the salvage yard in the African coast. And we see Rhodes there as Killmonger is speaking with him through an earpiece and, and watching the whole deal go down as Rhodes just wants to get. You know, get to it right away, and he mentions a Dora Milaje spear that he bought off the black market for ten million. Rhodes just scoffs at that. He says Tony spends ten million, ten million on a slow Tuesday in Vegas. <laughs> so Clow is, is now perked up. He says, "Now I know you mean business. We can move on to the good stuff." He shows Rhodes the vibranium, but as they open, as he's like opening the back of the truck to show him what he has, they can sense that there's somebody there, and it's Black Panther who just takes out a ton of Klaus men. He wants to get this vibranium back, and you know they're in, they're in here about to do this back alley abandoned warehouse deal. It looks very much like it would in a movie, yeah. you know. You would expect this shady looking place, and here comes Black Panther. He is awesome, man. He looks so, so awesome. badass when he sneaks up yes. in the dark like this. It's like this Batmany kind of yep. thing where he pops out, and it is great. It was a standout action moment uh, for, I think, animation period uh, for this series. It's, uh, I think, a high watermark. It was, the for me, the coolest uh, action sequence I- I've seen so far in, the, in this uh, journey here. And uh, I love that you mentioned Batman-esque. I couldn't help but feel like it, it was... It was kind of referencing some Batman uh, imagery that we've seen in the past, uh, uh, specifically the Zack Snyder Batman versus Superman warehouse scene, which I know a lot of people are mixed on that movie. I have strong feelings about it, uh, some positive, some negative, but very positive as far as like that warehouse scene is concerned. I think that's an all time great um, comic book uh, action moment. Uh, that that sequence uh, do, are, are you familiar with what I'm talking mm-hmm. about yeah absolutely absolutely and, and yeah so it's just that that to to kind of be on that level I think was really really solid and it, it's deserving too like we want to treat T'Challa especially having lost Chadwick Boseman this is a, some of the last opportunities that we're gonna get to enjoy Chadwick Boseman voicing this character and his attachment to this character so it's one of the last um opportunities for a cool moment like this to happen and they absolutely nailed it it's super memorable and that to me stands out big time so chachala comes to Rhodes and he tells him our quarrel is not with you 
Let me take the vibranium back where it belongs. Killmonger interrupts and says, sorry, cuz, that ain't gonna fly. He uses that sonic taser, and he comes up behind and just blasts Black Panther and kills him. It, I mean, from quickly. And he uses the, the weapon on Rhodes to where the point uh, Rhodes is, is obviously wounded and injured, but he, he kind of gives him a moment where he he says that you know I wish it didn't have to go down like this and then he just you know he, he kills Black Panther and then he Rhodes is still alive Rhodes asks him why and they have this little this, this little back and forth which is it reminded me a lot of uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier you know sort of the the back and forth that that Sam has with Isaiah where you know Rhodes says Eric why. Killmonger says better question why wear the Uniform of your own oppressors Fight for them die for them And Rhodes says kid you gotta be Part of the system to change the System which is a very Sam Way of thinking you know and this is Exactly right. something that, that he would have said And Killmonger's response Was no you can burn it Down so he mm-hmm. kills Black Panther He kills Rhodes And it, It's pretty crazy To see how Strong they make him Out to be in this episode In that he could quickly do away with You know Black Panther and 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 Rhodey like boom Snap of the fingers and it was obviously It wasn't at his own hand he was using a weapon And everything but um, They really do a great job of making this guy Feel like a huge deal Yeah he's like super Formidable in, in this uh, on like Every level I mean he's playing everybody uh, You know like a leagues ahead of everybody like a, like a chess master um and yeah like physically uh, just a specimen like the the battle that happens a little later with the the mech um very cool the gundam uh thing he designed um but yeah like i think also there's the element of of surprise maybe that uh black panther just didn't see it coming and he's just exactly he's, so he's not prepared mentally for it. Mm-hmm. yeah that he's just coming at them sideways he's getting the other guys focused on each other and then coming at him sideways. And, and, you know, uh, he's almost like uh, a hyena in a way. He's like a scavenger or whatever, but he's like mentally setting, setting everybody up to, to fight each other and then coming in and, and taking over and taking the scraps. I don't know if that's a, a super apt comparison, but I just had that no, it thought is. thinking it, Africa right now. It, it is. Cause even, you know, Clow uh, even says, my, 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 I would not want to play chess with you, my friend. Right. As, you know, he steps out from the shadows uh, said I leaked word of the sale to the Wakandan war dogs it played out just as You predicted so he's manipulated Killmonger is just setting this whole thing up He told Clow what to do He said hey you leak word of this They're gonna come we're gonna kill That we're and I'm gonna be able to Take Black Panther's gonna be out of the picture It's gonna leave an opening for me to come back there Clow doesn't know that his whole plan is gonna Include him killing him Clow <laughs> You right. know right. And, and kind of bringing Clow's body over there As like uh, a hey look what I did But it is that that makes it Even better that he's using this guy That he's about to kill again too He's doing the same thing with Tony you know he's using all these People to that that think They're his friends or they think they're on his side And uh, couldn't be farther From the truth they load Up all the product as the Dora Milaje are on the Way and but at that Moment he gets away with it Nobody knows for a a little Bit that he killed Black Panther T'Challa Killmonger killed Rhodey and 
nobody knows what happened with the vibranium and, and and everything there. Tony's got it, but this isn't. This has become now like a war because Wakanda's king has been killed, and now the Wakandans are really upset with with America, with everything that's that's happening with the with whoever killed Black Panther. They're trying to figure this all out. So he has basically what? set this this. Yeah, I series think they, of they, I think they assume I think because Kill, Killmonger frames them, he puts the weapons in, uh, I think, Rhodey and um, T'Challa's hands. So it, it, each each side thinks that the other side is framed is kind of guilty and the aggressor. Yeah. So Killmonger just did this great job of framing everybody. And then uh, the follow up here, I think uh, we're going to get to in a moment with with tony stark is just another layer of that brilliance uh him bringing the this uh the spear back uh mm-hmm. but uh i know we'll get to that in a minute we see chachaka on tv who says that we will not sit idly by while our resources are pillaged our people are killed and we see t'challa's funeral with the dora milaje and uh tony is obviously bothered and stewing when killmonger walks in to speak to him as uh Killmonger just acting normal like buddy buddy we lost one of our own let's show the world who's boss Tony says just who is the boss lieutenant and kill, <laughs> oh, Eric yeah Eric's kind of huh uh, last I checked your name's on the building buddy yeah buddy and Tony says yeah that paper trail you certainly saw to that but not to everything word of the wise never play clue with Jarvis he sees all shout out to Milo he's uh, learned the word clue recently so that's a word that he likes to mm-hmm. say quite a bit it's on blues clues so he'll say clue oh. and he'll like really be excited that he can pop out that word so um shout out to Steve for blues clues just exactly <laughs> that was great that little uh, promo that Steve cut that was just uh, awesome telling people where he's been and why he had to leave um so you never know what you're gonna get folks we're gonna get some blues clues sometimes through in our, when our, our marvel mcu recaps you just you just never know the tangents that we could get on here as tony's pissed and he shows he pulls up his footage that's what one of the things that's so cool about iron man 2 and, and all of the technology that he has and he's just like boom watch yeah. this and he'll just show yeah. the video that he's got of of you know the footage of killmonger it's like a out. hologram yeah, and it's like uh, I, I believe it's the same thing that he had in Iron Man three at one point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's recreating the um the explode the, like the terrorist attack that uh, injured Happy. And Killmonger laughs. He says, "Go ahead, call the cops. They're not going to get here in time to save you." Tony says, "The police are the law. I want justice." And he locks all the doors to the room, and he has them sort of barricaded in here. Again, Eric's Killmonger scoffs you. You never lifted a finger in your life. Are you going to ask Pepper to come and kill me? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Tony says, yeah, probably not, but there's no need. I melted down that ring of yours. You were right. Vibranium worked like a charm. So Tony took the plans and he put them into action. It worked. He took the vibranium. Now he's going to use Eric's own weapons that he was creating against him. Mm -hmm. uh, And and we see sort of similar similar to what we saw at the beginning. Eric would fight. In their training montages when they were working on this, Eric would kind of battle with these drones and they would sort they would be able to to learn his fighting style and mimic what he was mm-hmm. doing. And so at the at the beginning we can see that Eric's just getting his ass kicked here. The the yeah. the rope the drones, the robots are one step ahead of him. They know everything he's gonna do and they're just pulverizing him. But Tony kind of screws up. He gives it away a little bit. 
He's yeah. making fun of him. He's laughing. He says, what, what do you say? Uh, Whoa, he's got your number. Am I right? You forgot. You programmed the drone yourself. Your moves are his moves. Yeah. And he gives like it away. Yeah. 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 And that was when yeah. that was when Killmonger realizes, oh, okay, I just have to do something different. And this mm-hmm. guy is so well-trained, so well-versed, so smart that he can drop the style that he's learned and just fight in a completely different way. He sort of just goes rogue. And yeah, he says he freestyles, right? Which yeah. I think is a great choice of words, you know, like keeping it hip hop in, in this I guess episode. I have to freestyle right here. then. Yeah, that's his line yeah. there, which is really good. And he quickly <clears throat> dispatches of this bot. He pulls a spear out, nails the bot. And then he throws that spear into Tony's shoulder. He's got Tony pinned up against the wall. And the line that they have here was the line that hit me the most of the episode. When I think about this episode and in a few years or whenever it is, when I go back and watch this again or throw on episode of this or just talk with someone about this, this particular line from this episode is the one that is going to stick out to me when we get there uh, in a second. And um, he, we see him now. He doesn't have his shirt on, so Killmonger has all the uh, – the the markings on his chest And he tells us each one is for a kill Believe it or not Tony I really was Hoping you wouldn't make the cut <laughs> And Tony Kind of pleads to him like a friend would For a minute I thought it was you and me against the world But Killmonger tells him We're not facing the same battles Tony Tony again tries to correct him Hey we're two gear headed orphans Trying to do right by our fathers We sound the same to me Killmonger's line here was the one That uh, I mentioned that stood with mm-hmm. me the difference between yeah. you and me is that you can't see the difference between you and me. Yeah. And then jabs him with the spear a little more and he kills him. And that's one that just seems to be very, very, you know, time sensitive to a lot of things that are going on in the world and how things have been recently with a lot of people disagreeing. Yeah. It seems like people can't agree on anything, even come to compromise on things that they could have, you know, not long ago. And that one, that just yeah. sticks out. It's such a, like a racially, um, Powerful statement too But it's it's it can You can look at it from much more than race in, in, in many different ways but in just The more the most basic way That stands out that one just Really hit me you know that I thought that was A, a yeah. very strong line and that's one thing That he has in Black Panther And in this episode too that character Is given a lot of Very very rich dialogue To say and to, to show off How mm-hmm. smart he is yeah, that's so true. I, I, I wrote that line down, too. I, I love it. Like the difference between you and me is that you can't see the difference. It reminds me a little bit of that thing when people say, like, oh, I don't see race and how that kind of you kind of yeah. have to be able to see race. Like, it, yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that that um, that to me, it just it, it's a it's a perfect line. That was a really, really good line because uh yeah, they do have those things in common, but they're not dealing with the uh, the same things. And Tony, ultimately, in this episode, was ignorant and lacked a certain amount of compassion. And that was his fatal flaw, I think. He never got to be able to see those differences up close and personal in a way that made them tangible and um, motivated him to change his ways a little bit. Um, so just just that... He, because he was missing that experience uh, in the cave, uh, he just never got to that place, uh, and it might have been a different story uh, otherwise w- with um, uh, with the Killmonger here. But uh, I also thought it was interesting that Killmonger didn't want 
to kill Tony. Like Tony mm-hmm. kind of grew on him, I guess. He, did. he said yeah. he didn't want to make the cut, which is a great, a great pun too it on is. another level. It's just a yeah. fun pun. Uh-huh. Gotta love puns. But uh, yeah, the, I, t- I guess Tony Stark's just that likable, right? Like even mm-hmm. if you're going against him, uh, you, you know, he's going to grow on you. And he's the type of, in, 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 in just a very simple way, he is on a level with Killmonger, like in a smart, yeah. you know, he, he together they yeah, were able absolutely. to get this working that Killmonger wouldn't have probably been able to do without him. You know, he helped in, in, a, in a few different ways. So there are, he, he can still use Tony. You know, there are still things with, where a lot of the people that he dispatches right away after with Clow or, you know, once I've used you, Black right. Panther, you've done your job, I'm done with you, boom. With Tony, there's still some use he could have gotten out of him. Good point. You know, that's a great um, point. It's not, it's not maybe even necessarily that it, Tony was growing on him. It's just that yeah. you know, there was more that he wanted to get out of him. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So again, he's used the vibranium spear to make it seem like this was the Wakandans that did this to Tony. And so he has set this whole thing up now. Now the American government is furious because they think Wakanda killed yeah. Tony Stark to send a message. And so General Ross is furious. He wants to investigate the scene afterwards. And we see Pepper and Happy with Killmonger and, and General Ross. They're all talking together. None of this got captured on security. Killmonger learns. He learned from what Tony just told him. He just showed him that he caught him on the security last time for Jarvis. So what does Killmonger do after he goes and he wipes Jarvis memory and he wipes Jarvis mm-hmm. clean. So there's nothing there. This guy is smart. He, he yeah. learns from every single one of his interactions and he like absorbs all that, all of that. And he takes it with him very quickly yeah. and uses it. Um, so Pepper's asking him, Jarvis was wiped clean. How did none of this get captured on security? So he's starting to sense that she's, you know, she's on to him a little bit. Two murder, three murders, two days, one man at the center. And General Ross actually stands up and says, Hey, you're talking to a highly decorated naval officer. Again, Killalonger tries to say, Hey, cut the lady some slack. You know, her and Tony were tight, but as they did before, they just dismiss her when they start talking about what's happening next and, and what's mm-hmm. gonna what's gonna go down. As General Ross said, they want a war, we're gonna give them one. Put the Liberator drones into production. Yes. So they they go right to Killmonger's tech that he's been wanting so long to try to figure out how to to get to work to get used. He's again manipulated the situation so much that they feel like they need these. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's it, and it's playing right into his hands so hard. Now they're literally handing over um, a, an army of robots that he's going to be able to. Have some influence over, we assume, at this point. And more, more so than that, he'll be able to control them. We already know this because he literally designed them. He has the blueprints to them. And they're going to sign uh, the checks. He created that. They yeah, had a exactly. million, million multi-billion dollar allocation. The board will not uh, will need to be consulted. Oh, the Patriot Act is going to cover the red tape. U.S. military is hereby seizing control of all of Stark Industries' assets. You must be joking. Boom. Pepper's got no power now. They're in control. Killmonger was able to all of a sudden take all of this power away from Stark Industries and he's got all of it. He was the bridge from Stark Industries to the US government because of his experience and because of his history and he's pulled all the strings perfectly to now he is the guy controlling all of this. He's the only one that knows how all of this goes, how all of it works and we're going to see him continue to manipulate this situation even more yeah. as we uh 
We get a congratulations from Ross He says you just invented 21st century warfare hmm. We see these drones all This is the clones in Star Wars right They're marching right. out to the battlefield And they're all ready to go Yeah it, very uh, like familiar i thought like the production of the them and it, it was it, they had their own spin that's not a, a knock or anything like that in a way it just it just reminded me of stuff I, i'd seen before and then um maybe leads me to a, a point uh, i was thinking about which is maybe a little bit of a knock in that where they kind of go with it um what what's the deal with this this um repeated thing that we keep seeing in the mcu of them just like fighting old school style with like huge armies and an open field like it i feel like we've seen that battlefield i know yeah, this is the like battlefield <laughs> well like i i'm jumping ahead just a little bit uh, ahead, i'm bro. sure i'm skipping a few things but like when they actually break all these guys out in in, in wakanda and you see them and they, they, there's this big showdown i'm just i just keep thinking like wait why did they do it like that like no. why would they have them all line up and march like that's wait. my one well, 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 probably my only uh, criticism of this, and you know what? It's the, the answer is probably just because it looks cool. It, We've exactly. seen it before in in movies, and it's it's a way to get all that action on screen at the same time, as opposed to just cutting around to seeing like cool action. Which might, might I don't know. That might be cooler. I, I, I don't know. I, I I would love to see a version of this that chaotic plays it's more chaotic. That's a little maybe more chaotic and, and more in line with how I'd imagine like logistically they would really do it because i feel like mm -hmm. there's so many like downsides to just having them just march like that that seems very archaic to me and almost arbitrary that they they arrange it like that so clow and killmonger meet up again and he clow sees that uh the drones are working and the vibranium has worked but he is going to do a favor for killmonger here as he goes to show killmonger where wakanda is so they drive right up to the outskirts of Wakanda where the shields are. And Killmonger walks up and he sees it and he says to himself, Wakanda, I found it, dad. And uh, Cloud doesn't want to hang out there much longer. It was just this is sort of one of those, hey, I'm going to show you and then we're going to leave thing. You know, we're not staying any longer. I'll just show you where it is. You come back later by yourself. I don't want to be around he says, come on, we better get going. Not looking to meet the business end of one of their spears, if you know what I mean. Savages. And he, uh, the irony said, like, of that. The irony yeah. of that, though, like that they're the most advanced culture technologically on, right? on the planet. And he's he thinks that they're savages. It just really uh, tells you right there that, uh, that this is not a good guy, <laughs> that he's an idiot. Right before when they arrived, Clow had told uh, Killmonger, you know, be careful, you know, Wakandas are full of surprises. And when Eric walks back into the truck, it looks like they're going to turn around and drive back away. He says to Clow, it's like you said, Wakandans are full of surprises. And boom, he shoots him. So <laughs> How did he not see that coming? Right. Uh, oh just, God. again, part of his plan. He had Clow take him all the way up to Wakanda. Now he's got the guy where he who he can blame it on. He can say this was the guy who killed your king, who killed Black Panther. Look, I've got his body here, and he basically did the same thing in Black Panther. Am I right? Yep, like, yep, he did he the same cloud in the same way yep. for the same general purpose. I think too. Mm -hmm, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah, and we got to give shout out to um, uh, Andy Circus too, uh, because I, I don't know if you knew about this, but he's actually the director 
of Venom, Let There Be Carnage, another Marvel oh. property coming out, I believe, next week. Yeah, I think uh, we're hearing good things about it. It se- seems like a fun, a fun ride and actually a quick movie. I think I got the running time on that was like 90 minutes, a tight 90. So I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that. It sounds like a like a like a fun time at the movies. So. Yeah. Cool. I, like I said, I, I went to a matinee last week for the first time when I went and saw yeah. Shang Chi, and I'm really pumped to to to, to do it again. This the, it was great. There was nobody really around. Um, it wasn't very expensive at all, and it was a cool little setup for me. It was a really nice theater. I had my whole whole uh road yeah. to myself. So yeah, I might have to check out Venom maybe uh maybe next week. Looking forward I still to need that. To check out. Still need to check out Shang Chi. I might do maybe a double feature. Yeah. Could yeah. That good sounds one. good. So this this was just an incredible plan. An incredible plan. He pulls it off and he shows up. He walks up to Wakanda to the Dora Milaje with the dead body of Clow. Come with a gift, an offering of justice for I am Jakarta, son of Prince Njobu. That they look at like what? They can't they don't believe this. He didn't sire any children, but T'Chaka lets him know we were led to believe that because I led us to believe that. Shuri we are at war. He's still an American soldier. What does he know of our people? And so Shuri is kind of got the pepper thing going on. She can sense too, sort of right away that something's a little bit off. We can't just trust this guy immediately. But Chachaka sees sees his brother in Eric in Killmonger. He says, you have the the eyes of your father. The uh, Eric says he used to tell me stories about you about watching the sunset from the top of Mount. Bashiga Bashinga with his brother and Chitaka says I said the same story with my own son as Killmonger said I spent my whole life searching for home rest easy nephew you are home so they have this moment that Chitaka is ready to embrace him but the rest of the family is still a little skeptical to begin especially Shuri but everyone else is kind of they can sense something is a little bit off and I wonder if that's because T'Chaka, you know, is heartbroken and guilty over having murdered his father or having murdered Killmonger's father, uh, his own brother on that. I'm sure he's very conflicted to this day about it. So he must have some very intense feelings to see, you know, his nephew uh, come at his doorstep like this. And it's not time to rest, though, because Killmonger, remember, he's got a plan. No time to rest. Right. Uncle War is here. The drones are made up by vibranium alloy, just like your weapons. They're almost indestructible. As uh, he says, they operate via hive matrix, communicating with each other in real time to maximize strategic. So he's telling them what to do, and he's got a plan. We let them inside our force shields. The electromagnetic interference will block their satellite uplink. The only that's the only way to disconnect them from the Jarvis AI. After that, we'll destroy them. The Americans won't have any vibranium left to rebuild. So sure, he says, you you think we you're, you're saying we should let the killer robots into the city? <laughs> and, you know, they asked, why should we trust you with our lives? Because I know what it's like to have somebody taken from me. Killmonger said it's I've had the chance to avenge my if I had the chance to avenge my father, I wouldn't hesitate. These People murdered your son. Even if there's only a chance I'm legit, isn't it worth the risk? So the family all kind of looks around at each other. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. OK, you know what? We got to do it. We got to do it for T'Challa. 
So the soldiers in the Dora Milaje head out to the battlefield. They await the drones. This is the moment you were talking about where they're all standing, single file yeah. in nice line. Like this is old school battle. This is a a gentleman. We fight with honor with uh, in our duels, <laughs> you know. And uh, um, nobody throw the first punch as uh, <laughs> everybody's just waiting here on the battlefield. And we see the drones and. They make the charge for Chachala. They charge at the drones and Killmonger is doing his best to, you know, he's doing his best. Okay. So first I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a little out of order here. Okay. First, first mm-hmm. the drones come in and they're moving oh, in yeah. the, the, the shields go down in the, you know, the Wakandan first family here with Shuri and T'Chaka. They're, they're talking, they're not, you know, did we do the right thing here? They're marching in, they're coming right at us, and we see that when they enter, the power goes down, just like Killmonger had predicted, that there was an interference, all these drones just shut down, and they fall over. And so it looks like, uh uh-oh, General Ross doesn't know what to do, they have no control of these drones from where they are, can't figure out what's happening, and as the Wakandans are starting to celebrate, we actually see that it has been Killmonger manipulating them the whole time. He has a button yeah. where he can kind of power them back up and turn them off. And and right when they're starting to thank him, it's working. You were right. Thank you, nephew. You've made our uncle and father proud. I uh, uh, only wish to serve Wakanda. They said, no, you're going to join us in celebrating tonight. Wherever life's journey takes you, you always have a home in Wakanda. But he says, I want a little bit more than that. And he presses the button and they power back up. And so now the, the Wakandans are scared. They know what to do. What happened? Shuri, the drones should be disconnected. This is impossible. He blames it on Stark. Tony Stark must have built yeah. a backup transmitter. The man was a villain. He didn't trust anyone. Just constantly manipulating. Just at every at every turn. He's, but he's Shuri, in, seeds. Shuri doesn't mm-hmm. believe him all along. You could tell. Right. She's the one with and Pepper too. When even when the rest of the family at this point. He's he's in with with basically everybody else in the family now, and right. I think is it is it Ao who he, he still got a, he still has a moment with Ao and, and and then he seems like he's in with her too, um and he is then in a situation where these drones are back up and now he could have saved a bunch of lives instead he sacrifices a bunch of these Wakandan soldiers and yeah. warriors' lives just so that way. You know, he can go out there and look like the savior. And so he runs out and he charges and he looks like this. This is a really cool fight scene when they all start to, to lock up and, and battle. And he looks like the, the savior here and, and he's leading the charge against the drones. He saves, is it Okoye, I think that he saves? or um, and, and then, you know, him and the Dora Milaje, they're fighting alongside each other and they're all teamed up. All the Wakandan soldiers are chanting and they're celebrating for Chachala, Wakanda forever. He's screaming it as he's leading the charges and uh, he he did it. He did it right. It was uh, it, it was all success. It was it was this like gr- grand false flag attack, kind of like a f- framing every different party uh, for for all these different attacks, getting behind all the different nations and and playing all the pieces just right to the point where they all took out each other, and he was the one left standing. Now we see Chachaka and Killmonger looking at their sunset together. And he asks him, does it meet your expectations? 
And Eric Killmonger says it surpasses them. I wish we could share it with our brothers and sisters across the world. Chishala had says that your father wished the same. Perhaps that is why Bast had returned you to us. Eric says he's a lawyer, loyal servant of Wakanda, your majesty. Let me be of service. And Chichaka gives him the herb to become the next Black Panther. And he takes wow. it and he goes on basically his little vision quest type journey where he sees Chichala. And Chichala asks him in their in their interaction, was it worth it, my cousin? Killmonger said, yeah, I did what I had to do. And Chichala, for what? A throne? Killmonger gives us again his reason He doesn't believe he's a bad guy For vengeance for my father For all my brothers and sisters who suffered through oppression While you just sat back and watched Hey it's not you It's not me it's you It's your fault here You did this I'm going to talk myself into it Until it's right that I can kill everyone And it doesn't That's how he's going right here you know As Chachala says You believe the cure for more human suffering Is more suffering Killmonger says the cure is power Now I have it Chichala warns him though it's because you stole it Power unearned can be a very Volatile force cousin It'll get the best of you eventually This this was very cool their interaction Together and Chichala just Warning him and letting him know Hey you know you, you got me From behind sort of when I wasn't paying Attention you didn't even win in a fair yeah. fight And now you are You're acting like you're the man when you didn't earn any of this, you stole all of this. I thought that was that was very well said. Oh, absolutely, and it was a beautiful scene too. I mean, uh, that that sequence in in the afterlife and seeing T'Challa as the Panther there, and them having this moment, and he ha- he brings wisdom to the moment. He doesn't bring any sense of of um, you know malice or or anger or anything like that. It, he's beyond that at this point, and it's kind of the same as his. The way he talks to um, to him at the end of uh, Black Panther, the movie, when they're up uh, on that on that ledge looking over Wakanda and the sun setting over it uh, and and seeing and having that discussion with each other. And and Killmonger just wants he expresses in that moment that he just wants, um, you know, everyone around the world, the diaspora to be able to experience that uh, sunset and that freedom. And uh, he's thinking about others at that time. And it's a great like moment there that where it's, it's mirroring that moment, but he's standing instead of uh, being on his knees uh, now. Uh, now. Now he's standing as opposed to where he was on his knees dying there. Um, and I also feel that, that uh, T'Challa's words in that moment as well kind of echo the moment in the afterlife that he, when he's speaking to him uh, here and now. Uh, just, just teaching him the, the, mm-hmm. the, you know, the overall lesson. Uh, that 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 the very simple one, basically that an eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind kind of deal, like more yeah. suffering is not going to fix the suffering that's already happened. So uh, T'Challa has that wisdom. Unfortunately, um, Killmonger does not. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, maybe for the world, you know, he's now in this great position of power is we get a look at General Ross, who is furious now. Destroyers are circling the African coast I want all Jericho missiles locked and loaded By 0600 Uh, They ask him isn't that a lot of firepower To aim at a country most Americans Can't find on a map By tomorrow they won't need to He is trying to blow up Wakanda He's furious And as Pepper walks into her office Shuri's in there 
And Pepper's with that. What? How did you get in here? She says, I'm here to help Miss Potts. And Shuri pulls up her awesome technology that she has. She has that same video footage that Tony had of Killmonger uh, killing Black Panther, killing Rhodes. So they know that he's a bad guy. And uh, Shuri even says, Mr. Stark was a genius, but he's not the only genius. His, uh, it appears we have a common enemy. Unfortunately, your side and my side refuse to see it, is what Pepper says. So Shuri says, let's open their eyes together. So I'm excited for this. I will say I, I saw a few people that said it did kind of end abruptly right then. Mm-hmm. Some of the other, like, it felt like, okay, there are probably going to be a few minutes more of these girls starting to, like, team up. But nope, boom. Yeah. So that that was as much of a cliffhanger ending because mm-hmm. the other ones all teased something else to something more to come after but they didn't really end a story in the middle of it like this one still has the story left to play yeah. out yeah i i could see i could definitely see that it, it felt like that the the continuation of that story and their investigation there could have maybe been in this episode but my hunch is that it's going to be a, a a deeper broader story and that mm-hmm. it's going to involve tying everything together somehow um but yeah, this one this one was definitely a little bit of a cliffhanger. Uh, I'm thinking the the Captain Carter one was another cliffhanger. Um, definitely, there was a, that cliffhanger where it almost was like a post credit sequence. The one where Star Lord, when we see like the the yeah. real not Star Lord, where we see uh, the real Peter Quill, and he's mm-hmm. at, at the end, like at that, the that was almost starting a new story completely. Yeah, you're there. right. Uh, yeah. So they, they they've ended in very different ways. I mentioned earlier that. You know the Doctor Strange one. That was a very you know finite. You know it was it's done. It's final mm-hmm. uh, from the from the look of it. So I, it's interesting to see and uh, what which ones they're going to pick up on later and which ones they're just going to be kind of one offs. The episode ends you know with the the Watcher again letting us know that you know uh, all these stories aren't aren't the you know the the decisions are are very important that we make and I think was the final line. here. We got heroes are never really gone. They live forever, all as do the ones they inspire to carry on the fight. So they will, uh, they will do their best. We don't have a, we don't have an Iron Man. We don't have a Tony Stark. We don't have a Black Panther, a T'Challa, but we do have the people that were the closest to them, that knew the most about them, that that are just as smart from from a technology right. perspective. Shuri and Pepper. So. I'm I'm excited about the prospects of them two teaming up, getting into an Iron Man suit, maybe or or who knows, right? Like using yeah. using the uh, the Black Panther, uh, you know, some of the the technology. So that's exciting for me, and yeah, I, I enjoyed this episode quite a bit. It was it's not my favorite. It wasn't I, there wasn't a whole lot of bad about it though. I thought it was like very very <laughs> solid all the way through. And what it excites me the most is just the prospects of Michael B. Jordan back in the MCU and the likelihood now of him showing up somewhere again. I don't think it's a coincidence that we saw him back here. I don't think it's a coincidence that some of the big stars that voice the that that do voice their own in this series. Mm. I think it's because they're either going to be coming up in one of these next movies or projects and they want to make sure it it ties in and even kind of give you a little bit of a heads up. They're not gone. They're they're still here. You know, Tom Holland his was just a busy thing. We didn't hear him as Spider-Man. Uh, and and I, I think they may have purposely not had Robert Downey Jr. for that reason in that, hey, he's maybe not coming back. 
Yeah. Right. We don't want it's, you. It's to, about contracts too. I, right? I think yeah. they're, they're contractually obligated to a certain amount of appearances. And I think now that probably massive. somehow like, includes, right. it would be, includes he would voice. be paying a huge amount of money to be in something like this. And if you don't yeah. have for sure plans for him moving forward, then, you know, who knows? Yeah. Um, he made that break. And uh, I think to kind of go back on it now would not make the most sense. No. I think if he's going to go back, he's got to let a meaningful amount of time go. And then absolutely by, by showing up as just a voice now, it would kind of take away from that, that gap and it almost reset the clock. So if he is ever going to come back, you know, it's got to be for something really big. I think because we made such a big deal about the, the him going away and it being his final appearance in the MCU. Keep in mind, a lot of what was happening during this episode was, 2008 you know Iron Man and We saw things that ended up Happening in um, what a, Age of Ultron Also some sort of like the, some of the plot From there too um, And I, I hope we get more Michael B. Jordan uh, we lost yeah. Tony for the third time But this was the one for me that really Made me okay now We are definitely going to tie up These loose ends from all these episodes There's going to have to be something in the final one or two where everything sort of comes together. Yeah, they're they're leading us toward that. Uh, and I know, you know, episode seven that comes next kind of uh, deviates from that possibly. Uh, but uh, yeah, it just seems like they're building towards something, and that keeps that keeps it exciting, and it also keeps it kind of consistent with what the MCU's always been about. And it's like core, like. Um, mo here is that it's just they're gonna give you a property that's like the main course but then they're gonna sprinkle in a little uh preview of what's to come and they're gonna you know cross it all over it's all gonna be on the same plate uh and it's 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 all gonna build off of one another and it's almost this like fractal multiverse Mm -hmm. uh in 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 just the sense that they're creating all, all, all this stuff um in our world like just just uh as a a mode of uh expression for what different types of stories we can tell it's all possible now uh within this context of the multiverse and especially with what if it it very much um yeah they're they're doing a good job preparing us for things letting us know of things to come here and yeah i i it's gonna it's gonna all involve the watcher because we've mm-hmm, seen mm-hmm. the watcher now, you know, in this episode at the end, he looked sad, kind of, you know, now we're, we've seen him get closer and move a little bit, kind of get more into the frame. We just want to ask the question, when does he get involved? Because it feels like that's coming at some point. Yeah. Um, yeah. If I enjoy he's this feeling thing. emotions. If he's feeling emotions and showing like sadness, that that's, I think the thing that uh, is, is a motivator. An emotion is a thing that like motivates I think in, in a human being, uh, generally, uh, our emotions motive, motivate us a lot. And I think, uh, the premise of the watcher initially is this like emotionless person because it's, he's staying out of it. Uh, and to, to stay out of it, you would have to be emotionless, but if he's showing us that he has emotions, that's telegraphing that he's going to do something. He's about Mm -hmm. to do something that motivation is building and that's got to culminate in action of some sort. So very cool to to think that he could be like the Nick Fury of this uh, this story here and that he's going to assemble the guardians of the multiverse or whatever they're going to want to call it. Um, but I'm I'm looking forward to that. That one spoiler shot that I've seen that money shot from mm-hmm. the Avengers with the characters all swapped out from certain ones we, that we've seen in this. I wonder even 
is, is is that definitely coming? I wonder. We don't know. They, make they that can just tease as, like, things, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I remember. Just shot. for instance, yeah. in Rogue One, there's this famous shot from the trailer of like this Tie Fighter just coming up over, uh, like from from underneath the frame and uh, just towering over uh, the main character in Rogue One, and it just never appears in in the movie itself. But it's just this very powerful image. Like I could totally see Marvel just making that to kind of like sell you on the idea that you're going to be introduced to these characters. Uh, but I don't think that's the case. I do think they are going to build up to it, and we are going to see that um, fleshed out in some way. And uh, I'm, like you, very excited to see, uh, or the prospect of seeing like those characters made three-dimensional uh, you know, uh, you know, in live action. Uh, that's just tremendous. I, I mean, Captain Carter is an obvious yeah. one. Yeah, We've got... Uh, maybe after episode Howard seven, I'm going to see like Howard the Duck could be one. Absolutely. Right? I mean, wonder, yeah. are, are there any, which ones do you want to see in live action? Like yeah. which ones stand out to you? Uh, yeah. Any that we Howard. haven't talked about? Howard. Howard the Duck. Okay, definitely. For sure. I, that... I'm absolutely, I'm, I'm just fascinated to, to what they do and, and how they make that. Um, and, uh, <laughs> Cap- Captain Carter. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I'd love to see her, which I, I think we are going to see. Um, uh, and just some of the weird stuff with Doctor Strange, you know, and, and I think we're gonna get yeah. that in Multiverse of Madness. How the Doctor Strange was just so weird looking, and all these different, you know, when he kept trying to mm-hmm. do things over and over, and how that impacted and affected. I the the weirdness with Wanda with some of that stuff. I I really enjoy that. So I'm I'm curious how they'll make that the the. You know, is Doctor Strange going to look – are we going to see some look like he had in this series where he had all these things coming out of him and he looked like you right. – that kind of stuff I like and I'm curious for. Anything for you that jumps out? You know, I, I'm very attached to this idea that we could see uh, – and I believe I mentioned this in an earlier podcast, so forgive me for repeating, but Lake Keith Stanfield as, uh, as the T'Challa Star-Lord. I want to see that in live action. I know because we can't have – Chadwick Boseman back. I think the next best thing would be we get Lake Heath Stanfield uh, from Atlanta and so many other uh, good. He's good in everything. Um, and I think he would just be per- he has the perfect energy, not necessarily for T'Challa, but for the Star-Lord T'Challa. I think mm-hmm. that would be really for that role. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, what if episode six is in the books? Big thank you again. To Tim for helping us out Make sure to give Tim a follow on social media At Tim is not funny on Twitter and on Instagram You can check out Tim's uh, music project Ice Cream Fire And you can check that out anywhere You download your music You will hear Tim each and every uh, week There's an, uh, a new episode of something Marvel related When there are new Marvel movies here He's become our uh, Marvel MCU expert consultant Always helping us out here Always sharing his time and uh, his insight with us TK, thank you so much, buddy. We're on to uh, episode seven next. Thank you. Uh, Don't go anywhere, folks. We uh, have plenty more to talk on That's What G Said. Stay tuned. We're going to jump right into episode seven. So we'll be all caught up with the first seven episodes of What If in just a moment. But first, OldSmokeClothing.com is a website you need to go to if you're a horse racing fan. They have all sorts of swag, t-shirts, hats, hoodies, zip-ups, long sleeves. And when you use the promo code G-I-N-O, it'll get you free shipping on your order from OldSmokeClothing.com. 
episode 7 of What If, coming up next with Tim Kelly. Spoiler alert, we get into everything happening in What If, so we'll talk about episode 7, we'll also talk about, you know, the episodes 1 through 6, some of the things that have happened in each of them, where they're going, kind of predicting what could be happening next for the final two episodes of this series. Tim Kelly joins us once again for What If, the deep dive of episode 7. Kick back and enjoy. What if episode seven was a much different tone? We kind of teased that a little bit talking uh, in episode six when we did our recap. And what's funny about uh, recapping episode seven now is this was actually the first time when Tim and I and any of the shows that we recapped had actually seen the next episode of a show before we did that recap. We'd we'd seen episodes. And we just finished the episode uh, six recap, so we had a little bit of an idea of just you know what had happened in six and seven before we talked about it. But the tone in this one, TK, so much different. This was playful. This was funny. There were some serious moments and things that I I think will still impact future projects. But mm-hmm. this was a lot more silly. Hey, how many weird cameos of people can we throw at the wall? I mean. I I don't know. I definitely am not going to be able to to mention all of them, but there were so many. Like, was that that person? What a weird cameo! Or wow, everyone from you know, uh, ask like Ask Guardians, a bunch of people from Guardian uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. This was this was definitely a lot of fun. It was so refreshing for being so fun too, because we we'd been on that stretch of downers, and we mentioned in the last episode that the the last one was a downer, but kind of had. Um, a little bit of a positive uh, ending to it, but this one was just super refreshing and uh, super funny. It was one of the like most fun and funny episodes of the series so far. Um, it was also, in certain aspects, maybe a little bit like inconsequential to the overall. And I'm not even saying this as a um, a knock at all, uh, but it was it was very self-contained uh, in a way. And you had mentioned in the last episode that maybe they they switched orders around. Uh, and I thought maybe that was one of the reasons that it just it tonally that it, they needed sort of a, a reprieve in this moment and kind Wasn't of a heavy moment. Yeah. And, and so and also that they that, you know, we were building towards some things, but maybe we need to interject a few like standalone things. And if if they had put this too early on, maybe the message that viewers might get is that that's all we're getting is kind of standalone things. Um uh, and maybe they wouldn't be as invested right right off Great the bat. Point. We could think like, oh, I can let these stack up and just kind of watch them whenever. Great um, point. But, uh, and I hadn't even uh, recognized that until you mentioned it in our in our last uh, podcast there. But now I'm just rethinking it all and and uh, kind of um, trying to trying to get inside the heads of uh, the Marvel execs or the Disney execs who who did that and, and think like why why they did that. I'm, I'm curious who which one of those uh, is responsible. Is it the showrunners? Mm-hmm. Was this like a, a studio mandate? Yeah. Or, you know, who knows? It's something that's happened in other series before, like kind of prominently, too. I'm blanking on the examples, of course. But oh, one one that pops out to mind is um the, the series Firefly, the cult mm-hmm. class Firefly, which is beloved. I love the series that aired very much out of order uh, and it kind of screwed up the flow of things uh, narratively. But the the uh, the executives at the you know Fox at the time wanted to present a different type of show to to the, the public and that was more important to them than the sort of narrative structure that the the writers had been planning this episode was all about what if thor was an only child so what if thor didn't have all of the experiences growing up that he did with his brother loki where 
you know, think about how anyone may be different from being a, an only child to having some sort of a sibling and in some of the ways where it'll maybe work positively for you and some of the ways where it'll work negatively for you. Maybe you get more attention from your parents. Maybe you get more love. You get spoiled a little bit more, but then maybe on the opposite, maybe you don't have as many interactions with people. If it's an older brother or sister, there's some some things you can learn from them along the way. So by the time you get to their age, you've seen them make the mistakes or just a lot of things and the, they're fighting back and forth and they were always um you know the relationship they had was so interesting to see the relationship they have in this because i read somewhere and i sort of agreed it's almost like they like each other more you know not being brothers you know it's yeah. just like you're a, my brother i love you kind of a thing but in this they're friends in this episode where they even say hey you're my brother from another mother and this and that you know and so that was uh that was something that definitely jumped out to me yeah, it's like you extract the sib- the sibling rivalry out of their uh, the dynamic in their relationship, and it's just all love that's left over. They they do truly like each other in the in the versions that we're familiar with, uh, and it was again just. Uh-oh. Oh, I lost you for a second. Sorry okay, about that. There we go. No problem. I can pull that. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> there we go. Um, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I, I lost you. If you can remember the train of thought you were on. Just that, uh, so much fun seeing their their uh, interaction. Uh, you know, Thor and Loki. Oh, if you yeah. extract, if you extract like that sibling rivalry out of it, it's just only love that's basically left over. Oh yeah, we're and brothers it, from another mother. Exactly. <laughs> and it was just like I, I got to say, I think uh, Frost Giant Loki is my favorite Loki variant, hands down. Great. He's hilarious. He looks he looks funny. He still got some of the the things from uh you know Loki that we know and love. But oh, I got I got such a kick out of seeing these two interact here. And it was Tom Hiddleston, and uh, and it was um your your Thor. So we had some of the major characters in this particular episode too. We had Natalie Portman coming back to voice uh, Jane Foster. Darcy, great. What Cat Dennings, right? So. Always adding some humor in there Um, A lot of Thor movie in this You know early Thor And and then we end up getting You know some Ultron stuff Obviously with what ends up happening at the end But this was Was great because It was that trope Of storytelling that we see In so many movies That are you know high school movies Or TV shows that are about high schools Where the parents are out of town, so what are you gonna do? You're gonna throw a party, exactly. you know, and and then you throw the party, and then what happens? You get the call, or you find out that the parents are coming back early, and so then you you know everything's a mess, and it went too crazy, and it went out of hand, and now you got to clean everything up. But you start asking everybody to help, and they won't, they don't want to help. They just want to bail or leave or keep partying, and it there's so many things that you just. Have, you could relate to from storytelling that we've seen through the years on, you know, any show or any movie. I got a kick out of a, a lot of those very uh, obvious um, type of, uh, you know, suggestions they were making. It made me laugh. It was great. They played so well with the, the tropes of that type of movie, that house party movie. And I was trying to think of like what what's the perfect example of like, what what is the quintessential house party movie? Obviously, the movie House Party comes to mind, but with that that exact um, that story where the parents go out of town, they're trying to fill it in. I think Dazed and Confused kind of starts. Mm-hmm. I mean, that. I, I can I can think of it in so many episodes of things like Nine Hundred Two and Zero. You yeah. know, Beverly. You know when? Yeah, yeah, 
it, it, you know, the OC, you know, and they're out and, and the, the, the house gets ruined when they come back. And it's always it's gen, generally more times than not. It's usually someone that isn't as much of a party animal. That kind of gets roped I, into I, it. This this time it was Thor who was like, "We're going party in party time," you know, and they're and they're going crazy. But. I, if you, if you, I mean, I guess they, I guess they are in charge of they're like the shepherds and in, in in charge of Midgard. Uh, so in that sense, Earth is kind of their their home. And when mm-hmm. uh, and when his mom goes away, uh, yeah, it's like mom, mom and dad aren't home right now. We're we're throwing a party on Midgard right now, mm-hmm. which just such a fun concept. I really hope that you know when aliens invade earth for real that they just come to party like that would be super well (laughs) and the they land in vegas obviously which is great so you get the 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 what anybody would be doing in a night in vegas you know you get the scenes of that we get the obvious um you know hangover hangover, right the hangover reference obviously with with rocket there too where they're having some fun with us um so yeah this this just was a, a blast to to run through to see all these different people pop up. They're all dancing in Vegas. They're all partying in Vegas. Um, and, and then when things seem like it's just great, oh look, Thor and Jane are going to go out on a date. It's all going to be good. We may have gotten introduced to the big bad villain of this entire series. Wait, did you mean that? Did you mean at the end? At the, the very end. end. Yeah, with the uh, infinity. Uh, yeah. Gauntlet Ultron, you know, who walks out. Yes. Uh, Great clip. And uh, that's the only exception of how this episode was not really super standalone. Like Mm -hmm. at the end of it, I mean, that was major. That was major, major. And uh, like to think of a fully stocked, you know, Infinity Gauntlet armor version of Ultron uh, slash Vision. Vision. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, that's, I don't even that's, know what to call this thing. That's why I was like Ultron Vision, Infinity, Ultron Infinite. I heard yeah. so many different things. Ultra Vision, I heard referred right, to. Right. So, uh, really badass look to it. Uh, and immediately you just, uh, all the, everything that's attached to Vision, Ultron, and the Infinity Gauntlet, you know, comes up. And you imagine just an amalgamation of all those powers together. That's very threatening right there. So we're going to have some fun. We're going to start partying, and we're going to find out what if Thor was an only child, what would have happened as uh, the Watcher introduces things for us again. And uh, I am your guide through these vast new realities. Follow me and ponder the question, what if we open up in the Nevada desert, and it's Darcy and Jane hanging out in uh, in their trailer doing some of their research. They're waiting for... What they think is going to be uh, an an alien, I guess, invasion, a, a contact here. They can sense something isn't up. Darcy's shooting her little peanuts into the cup. They're just kind of bored, just like waiting. Like anything in, when you see a lot of these people that are doing research places, they're just kind of waiting for something to happen, some alarm to go off, something to to trigger for them to. to is, a lot of the job is waiting, waiting, waiting. She shoots, she scores. Yeah, and uh, and then we get the beeping. Here it comes, Tim. Once the beeping starts, now we know we're in good shape. Shit's about to happen. And she even says, it's beeping. It's doing the beeping. <laughs> so Jane immediately calls S.H.I.E.L.D. Because if her data is correct, she believes an alien invasion is imminent. And everyone she's trying to call to warn them and let them know about this, they all seem very like how someone would, would act if you called and told them that there were aliens coming. 
oh really or like what or come on you know and um so she's not getting the the responses that she was really hoping for here yeah uh yeah and and then it's weird because shields does seem to be very interested a little bit later when she calls right or does she call the parks services she calls the parks she's yeah she's like calling a bunch of different people i think it's parks and rack and then she ends up trying to call shield i think we hear her talk to two or three different people and we don't really hear the responses on the other end of them we just sort of get the uh, we get the feeling that they're just kind of hanging up on her yeah they're no help but they'll, they'll soon find out that uh someone is in fact coming and uh, i love the way they play it off in the in the uh, upcoming scene there uh, it, it seems very ominous at first although it's it's telling like the phrasing that that thor uses uh but we'll get to that i know uh just great at this moment seeing having the, the comic relief of uh of darcy there i love kat dennings uh and the fact that she's just popping up all over the place that the fact that we got her for multiple movies and then she popped up in wandavision and now you know she's uh doing all these voices here like it's great and it's so consistent with her character too uh, and consistent with the vibe from the original Thor. Uh, it's got that comedy kind, kind of element to it. We see they're doing basically what those characters were doing at the beginning of Thor, uh, except they're mi- we're missing the, the professor. I'm blanking on his name, but it's uh, the I believe he's played by Stellan uh, Skarsgård. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, I got it written down here. Uh, Eric Selvig. Selvig. Eric Sel- yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, so that that it's just a, a really cool way to start it. And I don't feel like we've seen much Thor no. so far. If am no. I right? No, only any only in the where they killed every in the in the one episode where yeah. Pym killed everyone. You know, in that and, and we just saw him where Coulson was, oh look at him, he's gorgeous, you know, for a few moments and we saw him smelling the smelling the, the corpse of him afterwards. But yeah, that wasn't a whole lot of him actually being alive. And so getting to see him acting in this world where He's different too. This is a different Thor uh, when we see him showing up in just a moment. So she mentions that two years ago, the same anomaly struck star Alpha Icarus and the entire star dimmed and then poof, disintegrated. Um, yeah, this is when she says, I know this is the parks department, but isn't there something you could do? She's just, she's trying to get any help that she can all over. And we see a big beam of light hit and they go towards it. And it lands in Las Vegas. We actually see it fly right past an Ellis impersonator that some people have said think they think looks a lot like Kurt Russell, which is just huh. a little bit a little bit interesting. Just on many go the Living Planet. Yeah, and also because wasn't he in that horrible movie too, where he was at uh, three thousand miles to Graceland too, which would be some True. which would be a little bit fun, I think. Um, so Vegas, best place to party, and everybody looks around because there's a, a spaceship that just landed so everybody would stop and freeze and oh my what's happening and we hear a voice in a deep voice citizens of midgard your dull lives are about to come to an end prepare yourselves for the party prince and he starts partying and and they just everybody starts drinking the lights start playing and it's like a club Outside and this is going to be awesome. We get the techno music going, and the watcher tells us that more than battles won or lost, it's relationships that truly define a hero. The people who shape them, who shape their stories. And this this part I really noticed as I did in episode six, where we got a little bit of a montage of what it looked like for Thor growing up with Loki on the timeline that we knew. 
And so we saw them as kids Kind of laughing around fighting a little bit As uh, Thor and Loki A brotherhood so strong and pivotal It would change the fate of a universe Their childhood taught Thor many lessons But in another universe instead of raising The Jotunheim prince Loki as his own son Odin returned him to his people Without his trickster brother keeping things Let's say lively Thor grew into a very different prince And we then see the scene that that basically led to Thor coming to Earth and and starting to party. Odin is weakened, laying, resting, and Frigga. They're standing at his bedside, and he, he closes his eyes, and Frigga says, "He's asleep, and I'm off to my sisters to celebrate the souls." Like, oh, jeez, just closed his eyes. Give him a second, <laughs> and uh, so she's off. Odin sleep for a long time, you know. I know, right? Yeah. I was I, I'm one, so I, I know I know very well. Is <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. um, she is off, and she says to Thor, "This is your first taste of kinghood, my prince. I expect you to study, read up on the nine realms that you will one day rule." And Thor, like any good son, of course, mother, of course, you know. And she's off, but she tells him right before she leaves, "No parties, of course, mother. Remember, Heimdall will be watching." Wait, what? You can't be serious. And he thought he was going to be on his own, but no, Heimdall will be watching over him. So Frigga leaves and he uh, tries to, you know, he talked to Heimdall a little. Heimdall, there you are, just off to study. Books won't read themselves. And he's trying to play the, uh, the, the good kid here. But immediately, the next thing that we see is him talking to all of his friends, telling him he wants to party. And they're even saying, Hogan, but your mother said, don't be such a wet blanket, Hogan. My father has ruled Asgard for centuries. The most interesting thing he's ever done is fall asleep. He only cares about duty and blah, 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 responsibility. Well, I'm not going to be like him, right? The boring king. Uh, uh. That was great. And it reminded me of the line from Dumb and Dumber when he's talking about why he's, uh, his wife left him or his ex left him. He's like, you know, blah blah blah, something about not listening. I didn't. I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention. <laughs> that, uh, that reminded me here is this is exactly what anyone wants to do, right? Mister and Missus Bacola are out of town. For me, it was funny because um, my grandma lived with me and in my my family growing up my whole life. My grandma was really really cool. And my parents really didn't mind if I was in high school or like when I was a little younger drinking and doing that much stuff, especially if I was not driving, if I would have been at home, they wouldn't have cared that much anyways. But it's funny because I remember when they were out of town and they would go to Del Mar or wherever, San Diego for a week usually. And, and my grandma would sit out in the back and smoke a cigarette while there would be pe- like a party in the back. And she just kind of waved to people and everybody would laugh and be like, look, grandma's over there, but this is what everybody does. This is what everyone does. Mom and dad are gone. I don't have to worry about anyone coming down on me. I got to find a way to sneak away from Heimdall, but let's go party. And what better place than Midgard, right? Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. I have a line. Uh, this, this is kind of corny. I'm going to quote one of my own lines from Ice Cream Fire, a song called Make It Work. But I have this line, the best party in the universe is taking place on Earth. So, I mean, that's just perfect. It's like the log line for this this episode right here. Oh, that's great. Is um, they warn him Heimdall sees all If we try anything he'll call Fr- uh, Frigga He says ye have little faith 
we're going to go to the most backward backwater planet that not even Heimdall pays, pays attention to. Alert the realms. Party on Midgard. <laughs> so the word is out. Pass around those flyers. There's a party on Midgard coming up. And now we flash back to um, after they've all landed here in Vegas and they are partying. Everyone is drinking, having fun in Vegas. And Darcy or Jane, Darcy and Jane arrive. They're not sure what to think of these partying aliens. Like you said, this is not what they were expecting with the aliens here. She uh, looks at him. They're drinking. Here, have a drink. It never runs out. Which is maybe a, a shout to Doctor Strange in the yeah. the, gla- the glass that never runs out there. <laughs> um, you can try to drink it all, but you can't because it's magic. Huzzah! <laughs> Huzzah! And they're all chanting Thor, Thor, Thor. And what I loved about a lot of this too, when he's walking around and and in this Vegas scene, mm-hmm. he's interacting with all these people off camera, like you yeah. would at a party. You know, like if you're the life of the party and you're drinking and it's your birthday or it's something's happening or you know all these people and you're walking around, you're pointing to people. Hey, it's Jimmy, Jimmy. You know, and you're like, what's going on, Tom over there? And it's like you're getting that that vibe as everyone that's you even hear people from off screen joking with mm-hmm. him and they're they're talking about different things that happened. And it's the vibe of this is so much. It, it did feel very real for an animated cartoon about space aliens like this felt like how hey, what's going on. And I think it has something to do with it, with, you know, Hemsworth and how good he is at, at playing this role and how good he is at this character. He just it, it felt yeah. great. Hemsworth is so funny. I think um, he's gotten his props from a lot of different movies. I know he he got a lot of love for his, his role in um, the Ghostbusters, the 2016 Ghostbusters. I know a lot of people think he was hilarious in that, even, you know, though that wasn't the most successful or, you know, uh, appreciated movie by Ghostbusters fans. I think that his his part in that uh, got a lot of uh, love. Um, and from the jump from Thor, there's, he's been so funny and so perfect in that role that it's just, I couldn't have had another voice actor doing this and, and have it work they, 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 they couldn't have done that. I mean, maybe, maybe, but, uh, he just nails it so well that it's just perfect. And it kind of like the dynamic you were talking about with, you know, people talking off screen and whatnot, and everybody kind of wanting a piece of him. It did feel super, natural in a sort of like even still a little heightened funny way but it it felt it it reminded me a little bit of the scene in age of ultron which i love where they're just having a party and it's just all these people all these superheroes (laughs) at a party and you see them in this different context and i think i made this comparison before but it's like when you see your teacher outside of school and they're like Mm -hmm. oh they're they're like they're a three-dimensional person in a way that i didn't appreciate before so you put these characters these larger than life superheroes and super villains even uh into this party context and all of a sudden everyone's like inhibitions are down mm-hmm. and they're acting in a different way and everyone's like smiling the when they're, they're yeah and they're 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 normally so we're used to seeing a lot of these characters being very very serious or dealing with like high stakes but this is just the complete opposite of that it's just you know hanging out having fun and like that can be a lot of fun in and of itself there's been great examples of just really fun party movies and a party movie is not good unless it has those like real human elements that happen in in between and um in between the major like plot movements and stuff like that but just the inner interactions and exchanges between characters even characters off screen or just little side characters that's what makes it kind of come alive and 
and uh, and uh, be really interesting and and entertaining. So Darcy and Jane see uh, these good-looking aliens, and she even says, uh, Darcy says, "Hollywood movies did not prepare me for this. Shouldn't there be more lasers, probing, a flying cow?" <laughs> and uh, which are great little throwbacks to different. You know, science fiction stuff or different movies or TV shows that had those things in them. According to my data, the first extraterrestrial to arrive was him. And Jane looks over and she sees Thor. And she is love at first sight, immediately attracted to Thor, as is everyone. He does the hair flip kind of thing when he when he turns around and she says, huh. Natalie Portman, I think, does a really good job in this episode, too. There are a few times where... She gets caught, and and it and she she genuinely makes me laugh when you get, you catch her just getting caught up in a moment of staring at him, or when she was on the phone with him in the shield office. It's just she you really do feel like she's like gay in stargaze that you know, or it's it's great. And she sees Thor, and Jane says, "What you were expecting him to look more like E.T., less like a hottie McScotty, Beach Bod Ken, old school Abercrombie catalog. I could go on. Let me." So she goes to talk to him. Jane wants to make first contact with an alien, and Darcy with the the comedic relief all throughout the episode. First, I think half the strip beat you to it. You can make first contact with. She says, "I don't know that guy." She says, "You can make first contact with. I don't know that guy." He looks like a loser, and she points down, and it's Howard the Duck. Howard jumped back in here. So she's, you know. I love the journey of that line, too, that she, she sees him and says, he looks like a loser, and then what we yeah. know how the yeah. goes. It's pretty funny. And Howard says, huh, big talk coming from a brunette. Seth Green back, uh, back for Howard the Duck. And oh, yeah. So funny stuff here as Jane makes her way over to talk to Thor. She she asks, how do I look? And Darcy says, completely unprepared for whatever happens next. <laughs> I thought that was a great line. Um, so she walks <laughs> over to, to Thor and he's hanging out with a bunch of scrolls and he's so self-absorbed. You know, he's just so much about himself, cocky, conceited that all the scrolls are sh- are, you know, they're showing that they're able to 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 be Thor they're able to look just like him and he's getting just a, a massive kick out of it oh do it do it. so there's like five six Thors circled up all around him and he's just laughing seeing himself he he's like a little kid he really is like a guy in a I don't even want to say like a frat guy because you don't you don't really sense a whole lot of evil from him you know mm-hmm. he's just he's just very self-absorbed he's just yeah you know, I wouldn't say evil at at, at all. You know, no, he's no. definitely, but he's not good. Like he's not going out to try to help people. He's not acting in a selfless way, and it's kind of consistent with who he was. You know, prior to his journey, his redemption arc in the initial uh, mm-hmm. Thor movie, when he uh, he has to become worthy again to to wield Mjolnir, and and I think that uh, it's kind of cool how. They basically just reset the character like they did with Loki. Like they brought him back to a certain point, but it, it's even a little bit more heightened because there's no, um, he didn't have that interaction. Like we talked about, you know, the, the whole conceit of this episode that Loki wasn't a, his brother or whatever. And that, that really informed it, but he's not all that different from where he was at the beginning no. of, 
of Thor. Mm-hmm. And so in that sense, we kind of get to to have the like the the Prince Charming kind of selfish version of of uh, of Thor that we got at the beginning of that story and, and and replay that in a different fashion. But we get that character back and we can kind of have both. We can now have this like post end game. We can have like fat Thor. We can have badass Ragnarok mm-hmm. Thor. And, yeah. Like, and he's journey and he's got a lot of pathos and stuff but now we can also enjoy this like lighter thor that is more of like the pure introduction of like where thor was when we first met him so jane walks up and uh thor says oh there you are all the way down there so tiny i almost stood on you he's drunk and he's just laughing she introduces herself i'm dr jane foster of earth um Thor, crown prince of Asgard, libations, crudite, baked good. He's just going on. Um, yeah. So we actually see the grandmaster, who's um, Jeff Goldblum. He comes back. Oh, um, so used in too. Just barely in it, but like just perfect. His, his I love that. Line. You got like Jeff Goldblum and Seth Green coming for just these short. Like, they have two lines in these things, you know, and. Um, Extra- one where i feel like he was used just a little bit but perfectly perfectly it's yeah. so fun memorably yeah. you see all these people so i'm gonna mention some of them and i'll miss a few but sif yondu mm-hmm. scourge howard the duck topaz grandmaster drax valkyrie rocket we see um nebula korg the uh, Agent Coulson shows up in a little bit too. Aisha, the Golden High Priestess of the Sovereign. We get uh, Suter, Mantis, Asgardian, uh, all sorts of different people from the Asgardian armies. Meek, Heimdall, and just just a, a smorgasbord of little cameos from different people popping up. As the uh, Jane asks, "You're Thor." As in Thor, the Norse god of thunder. He's, I don't know anything about horse gods, but I do know how to bring the thunder. <laughs> and he's, you know, he's Laugh. making Laugh out loud in the moment. Me too. Uh, Just god, great, really funny stuff. And he, she, you know, like any woman in this position where a guy is just being real flirty with her and she's just trying to tell them something or talk to him, and he's just <laughs> laying it on so thick. And she's like, um, okay, moving on. 18 months ago, Alpha Star Icarus died. The astronomy that preceded it happened again tonight. And this is where he starts. He's he's not even really paying attention to her. You know, he's he's talking to everyone that walked by. He's like, oh, don't drink too much or too little. And, and he's just going like, I'm dying at this point as he's pointing. He's doing the, you know, hey, what's going on? And it's starting to piss off Jane. She, Hey, Thunderboy. I'm asking, was that you? He says, yes, Alpha Star, that was a that was an excellent party. We lost Fandrill. <laughs> so he answers her, yeah, it was an excellent party. We lost Fandrill for three days, found him in a barn, <laughs> curled up next to a baby goat. It was classic. <laughs> Isn't that right, Fandrill? And then we we cut over to Fandrill, who's like, I named him Gary. And, and <laughs> Thor goes, yeah, you did. And Pantanal goes, yeah, goats. They're just like two drunk buddies talking about the the girl that the one guy hooked up with. It, this is, I'm dying. Just, this was really funny to me. Yeah, it just, I don't know. It just captured that, 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 that spark that happens when, when you're at a, at a party and people are just loose and, and, and riffing with each other and being sloppy. Like it Which just had that. Kind of, you kind of miss it, right? 
because yeah. we haven't been in thinking about the time <laughs> where we are right now. I haven't been in a situation like this in a long time. You know, it's a really. I, yeah. I kind of miss it. I was smiling at it, thinking, "Wow, this." I had nights just like I was thought I was Thor at high in a high school party or a party right after that or you know when you're in your early twenties or whatever and you're there and you know everybody and you're all having fun and everyone's drinking and it feels like everyone's just really vibing it and you're just cheesing like yeah, yeah. you haven't had that in a while. Yeah, I mean, uh, I wonder what the what party movies are going to be like post-COVID? What's the first, like, teen, like, the, the American pie that comes out, and, like, for the Zoomer generation? What's that going to look like? Uh, I'm really interested to know, to be honest. I don't know if they are going to make movies like that uh, anymore, but I, I think probably somebody will, and, like, what's that going to look like? So, um, Thor, Thor is uh, uh, still, you know, having some fun talking with Fandral about the, the goats that he woke up next to. And Jane is alerting him. Hey, you killed a planet. He said, oh, doesn't even register what she says. He just notices her iPad. What is that light box thing you've got there? Oh, it's magic. I love magic. Did you build this all by yourself? And she's like, excuse me? I happen to be an astrophysicist with multiple PhDs. And then he starts Oh, you are a genius. It would take a whole team of Asgardians to create such a thing. You must be a genius. She she blushes. Well, I don't I mean I don't know about genius, but and then here comes Thor really laying it on. And your eyes. Do all geniuses have such deep dark eyes? It's like watching the birth of two stars on the edge of the galaxy. And she goes, "Uh oh. And he's just he's got her. He's got her hooked. And so while he's spitting game, all it took for Howard was, hey, it's happy hour. You want some half price nachos? <laughs> and Darcy goes, sure, duck, but this is not a date. So <laughs> Thor is complimenting the eyes. Darcy, she doesn't even need you to go that far. You mentioned some nachos, uh, happy hour, and, and she's good. Yeah, I guess that's all uh, Howard needed to do to get her uh, get in the door there. I mean, it's the, the, not, the nachos, because we know where, where it goes from there. I, I love how. <laughs> Just play out like a romance between Darcy and Howard the Duck over the course of just like a li little scenes here and there, just little exchanges, and then they keep coming back to it, and it just pr progresses to every stage of a relationship by the end of the episode. Uh, great use of Darcy for that, and great use of Howard the Duck, I should say. Anytime we can get Howard the Duck, I'm really all for it. Um, I don't know, is there is there any plans? Have you heard of bringing Howard the Duck to like? Uh, a series because that seems like it a no-brainer for it's gotta be right yeah like, i haven't heard the plan mc proper that would be so great like i i think get it on hulu so you can go adult with it like they're doing mm -hmm. for for modok uh but actually tie into the mcu like connect to all that why not hulu is owned by the same uh totally parent corporations all I, I pay you know Bundle? for hulu Disney plus and uh espn all, all in one package so it's all the same thing um it would, I think it would be a great move for them. Howard, Howard and, uh, and Darcy here. So he says, let's just see where this evolves. And now this party, now we've got, you know, some, some love interests going on and everybody just starts getting effed up. I mean, this <laughs> is just Vegas. The grandmaster starts spinning the turntables. Thor is dancing like Zemo in the club. Everyone's dancing and then you get little clips of what would happen in a drunken night in Vegas. Nebula is gambling. 
She's about to roll the dice. She tells someone, blow on these. Mama needs a brand new eye. And she she throws the dice. You've got Drax partying, going crazy. You get the Elvis impersonator who shows back up. He just marries Darcy and Howard the Duck. He he's the he's the uh the priest that, that marries them, the efficient. And uh Thor and Jane get matching tattoos and we see Jane wake up. By the way, it's science and magic tattoos with like yep. uh, a microscope on the science one and the uh, Thor's hammer on the magic one, and it's 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 pretty nice. It's that it's a reference to that um, that line in Thor when he's explaining to Darcy that like basically technology, uh, if it's advanced enough like we have on Asgard, it's going to look like magic to anybody else. Mm-hmm. And he, you think it was it was. You know, here you call something science that other people say right. is magic, and it's kind of one in the same where we come from. Right, right. You right. Know. from there one in the same. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, that's the line. And yeah, that that's yeah that that was was great. As Jane wakes up to a, a cell phone vibrating, and this is exactly straight out of the Hangover. I, it just looks so much like it. There are animals all over the place, and we see Rocket. Which, of course, we make the instant reference. You think about Rocket, who voiced Rocket, Bradley Cooper, and Bradley Cooper in The Hangover. They do fun stuff like this all the time. Big time. And then there's even a, a great line. I think Thor says there's a, a rabbit in the sink and <laughs> in, in a, little, a little bit. And that's a, a direct reference. I, I believe he thinks that he's um, that Rocket is a rabbit and calls him a rabbit in uh, Infinity War when they meet. So a nice callback to that. And Jane is super hungover. She can barely move. Oh, phone, shut up! Like anyone would be, like smashing the uh, the snooze button on the alarm when it keeps going in the morning. And oh, stop! And she picks up Doctor Jane Foster. What? What? She? You know? What? There's a knock on the door. Coming. I'm coming. She gets to the door, and it's Shield. Doctor Jane Foster. This is Shield. If you do not answer, we will. Yes. It's Maria Hill, acting director of Shield. You need to come I, with us. But she's I believe another uh another uh, person there who is it was Frank Grillo's character. Rumlo, um, is it? Agent, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rumlo, Crossbones right? who becomes uh Crossbones. So I loved seeing him back in there and, and voiced by Frank Grillo again too. Shout out to him who's uh uh on Billions, which has just came back a, a few weeks ago too. He is a a role on there. And he so yeah, they're she's hung over, she's barely Able to stand and function But she's kind of forgetting That they were literally just partying all over The place And she did call a bunch of people and tell them that aliens Were here and so <laughs> they're following up On the call that she made Telling them yeah. aliens were here And um, So she's you know, Trying to get herself together She asked can this wait till after breakfast said, No you were the first to warn us about this extraterrestrial Threat now I hope you will be The key to eliminating it and she's in love. She's got a tattoo on her arm yeah. right now. You know, <laughs> threat? Would you call him a threat? Really? Do you know why I'm the acting director, Doctor Foster? And then we we see <laughs> Fury getting <laughs> just run over by Korg. I think. Oh yeah, my gosh, yeah. this was really funny. Just absolutely annihilated. <laughs> like, I just just thinking about it now when I when I was re- remembering it uh, coming up as you were talking about it, it caused me to laugh again. Like it was that funny, and I believe that's the t- vo- voice by Taiko Atiti, 
in the, in this mm-hmm. too uh that character so very cool uh for it to be by him too i mean i mean i can't imagine getting run over by a worse <laughs> character in the mcu i mean maybe hulk is the only one that that uh that would compare to a giant rock monster hulk the thing something like that but absolutely annihilated the shield guards um yeah they're not in a very fun mode here because the planet is getting destroyed this party is not stopping and fury is now <laughs> is now unconscious and uh, he's on the mend so they're back at the shield base as th- um we get a uh, is this where we get the phone call coming in i, I believe they they're kind of asking what happened they're trying to figure out exactly what and she Jane doesn't do a very good job of hiding her cover that she's fallen in love with this guy that she's fallen for him. Uh, kind she, of a, a sort of absurd uh, level, I think. Like there's at a one little point too much. That, yeah, you're you're with like a government agency that's like investigating things at like the highest level. Trying levels, to hide and, this stuff and taking a phone call with the guy that they're investigating like ten feet away at one point. So it it it, it kind of that. One thing struck me as kind of absurd a little bit, but, you know, in an episode that's kind of absurd to begin with and just more about having fun and and being funny, uh, it works. It's not it's not it's kind of sitcom-y, but like I'm I'm all for it. Like they they pull it off. So they said the doctor, uh, the Colson shows up. The party atmosphere seems to be spreading. Canada, Mongolia, even Pennsylvania, Dutch country, lain by the uh, led by the main instigator Thor of Asgard, who's now taken to the skies. Jade, what he left? Did he even leave a note? I mean, did he say where he was going? She's like furious that a guy would leave and not be there the next morning. Uh, so she's blowing her cover. Um, they tell her that she's in Paris. Uh, that he's in Paris. One of his compatriots was, and I quote, jonesing for creeps. <laughs> and uh, so they want to go get a crepe as um, they mention the last resort and so the last resort has arrived. Whoa, last resort seems very final. Jane then then lets them know, hey, this is Earth's first encounter with alien life. How we respond today will set the tone for diplomatic relations between our worlds for generations. And first, the line from Darcy. Diplomatic relations is that what the kids are calling it nowadays, right? The hibbity dibbity, the uh, the horizontal hustle, right? Diplomatic relations, and uh, and then uh, Hill actually says, "You're wrong, Doctor. This isn't Shield's first alien rodeo." Pulls out the beeper with the Captain Marvel signal uh, symbol there and makes the call for Captain Marvel. Is <laughs> a Darcy again with the the comic relief here. A beeper. My dad has one. He's a podiatrist. Wait, are you guys calling a podiatrist? <laughs> this was good. And uh, Captain Marvel, hopefully here to save the day. So uh, again, Jane was wrong. This was not any type of first contact that she was. Uh, she thought it was. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a whole history of um, interdimensional contact and and. Uh, and all kinds of alien uh, stuff, the scrolls, they, I'm sure that S.H.I.E.L.D. is already well aware of at this point. So it's just been under wraps. This is the first one that's been out in, the, in, in public. Uh, and very cool to see, you know, Maria Hill's, you know, second in command. She's taken over for um, for Nick Fury. So she would have the, the beeper. That's very cool to, to see that pop up again. And we know that that means 
like like they I think they mentioned in the, in the dialogue here, it's like the last resort, like the 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 last hope in in a way. Uh, so bringing in the big guns, Captain Marvel, um, and then what we get from Captain Marvel coming up here is very interesting to me. Uh, like I'm the way that they kind of, in my opinion, lean into her dislikability for mm-hmm. a little while. The party pooper uh, stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and how that's kind of of a reflection of the way she's been received and the actress Brie Larson has been received by, by a, a large portion of the fandom. I thought they were really smart and kind of uh, towing that line and kind of leaning into it a little mm-hmm. bit and then pull back um, ultimately to, yep. to where they're kind of um, they're kind of uh, rehabilitating her character almost in, in the course of this in a very subtle way. Uh, but I thought she was really well used and um, this would be an actionless episode if not for her, uh, role in it and the action that comes from you know her scenes uh which we'll get we'll get to in a moment like th- that uh i think made the episode there's some of my favorite action moments again in this episode we have we had a great great stuff in pretty much every episode really great sequences uh, at memorable action sequences i'm even thinking the first episode with captain carter that scene in the skies where she's tearing through the plane um really inventive and uh, creative uh, scenes like we've never really seen before. And then this was just a really good example and a fun example of some action between two superpowered characters going back and forth, testing their abilities. And I, I really like where they went with it. I The Thor, Captain Marvel brawl mm-hmm. scenes were so great. It's they were just great, and and the length that they get to in a minute with them when she shows up, because we see Thor in France and he's just taking pictures with people. He's just partying in France. Uh, all right, here we go. Nestle on in. Everyone say waffles. I love that word. Cheese waffles with maple syrup and whipped cream on top. They're just laughing. As uh, Fandral says, he came. He's here. And there's a moment where we see. The Frost Giants and Loki show up, and it seems like things are going to get serious here. Thor's, mm-hmm. you know, his tone is more serious. Oi, where's, uh, you know, he came, he's here. Loki says, Oi, where's that son of a witch, Thor Odinson? Thor's, what did you say? Fandral, tell me, is that butt ugly popsicle stick talking to me? And they stand there, they look like they're both about to get ready. Yeah, we're going to go, we're going to go. <laughs> and they start laughing and they shake hands and they bring it in. I can't believe you came. Loki, you are the absolute best. You're my brother from another mother. Man, I mean that. I mean it. Brothers forever. Brothers forever. And they're just hugging. And these two dudes are just having a bro fest here. And this is great. This is we've never seen them act like this in the MCU towards one another. Especially when the other one was around, the only t- the times you would hear them talk um, high, the most highly about each other was when Thor wasn't there or when Loki wasn't there. Uh, you know, we never saw them actually embracing each other like this. Yeah, you know what? They didn't get along. It just in, in general, they didn't get along. They only treated each other with love and like brothers, like when the chips were down, and then it was like all that was left is family, and then mm-hmm. like they they resort to that. Like they really only liked each other in that sense and otherwise they were just constantly i think fighting and testing each other throughout their childhood i think thor really took a lot out 
uh, of Loki and Loki resented him for, you know, not only his position there, but I think he was kind of bullied by Thor a little bit uh, in a way. Um, but this, you know, we get a version of them that's completely absent, all that stuff, none of that, uh, that bad blood. And it's just the love. They can actually get along in this and, and, and see the things that they like about each other and just uh, have fun on, on and without the chips being down, without any stakes whatsoever. Uh, and that it's, it's super funny. Ultimately, I think it's the, the funniest part of the, the series uh, or the episode so far. And uh, like I said, uh, Frost Giant Loki, my favorite Loki, He's just because great. of how funny it is and some of the visual stuff like later on he's wielding the, the tiny phone and there's that great shot of the phone just dropping <laughs> and it's dropping for so long like yeah. extra long that expect and it just it's it makes for some great moments that you just kind of don't see coming and i actually uh, didn't quite understand i think until now or i maybe had something completely wrong about his backstory just i didn't realize that Loki was a regular frost giant that if he had stayed with the frost giants would have looked just like a, a frost giant. Mm -hmm. I thought I always thought part of his backstory was that he was like run to the litter or something like that. Mm -hmm. And that was part of the reason that he got left behind abandoned or, or orphaned uh, in the first place. And, um, not not necessarily by his direct parents but by like his society i i wasn't sure exactly the backstory is it more so that odin kind of took uh took loki in the first place uh, and it was more of a kidnapping than a saving or was he really this like orphan that was was saved because in this version of the story like giving loki back he seemed to be like well received well fine yeah, as i say he was well off i think he's meant to be an orphan and sort of like sickly also, you know, like sort of like what you were saying, like someone who wouldn't necessarily have made it, mm -hmm. you know, without without the warmth there of Odin. So there this is these two guys together. They've got such such chemistry as as actors and getting to see them really embracing each other quite a bit here and and their back yeah. and forth. Um, I, I really, really enjoyed. And it's great because uh, I, I you know, Hiddleston, anytime he pops back up, he's been, we just came off of the Loki series, but he is so, so good. And again, like this is a slightly different version of Loki. He's kind of a little sillier, you know, he's not quite as evil or mean. He's a little, he's still not no, like a good guy, but. He's free. He's just loose. He's relaxed. It, like he doesn't have that baggage uh, of his childhood. So they, uh, <laughs> they're continuing to party. And have a good time in in <laughs> until Captain Marvel shows up. And <laughs> he great. it is great that he literally calls her a party pooper. Yes. And this is something that you mentioned before. People have talked about how the way that her character is portrayed and the way that she's sort of played the character, she's just kind of come off a little dull. You know, it's mm -hmm. like a little, a little boring, nothing, not really fun. And they leaned into that so much right here. Yeah. She's being kind of a scold too. She's, I mean, she's literally trying to break up a party. That's not, I yeah. mean, it, there's no real serious threat that they've made super clear. I guess Jane mentioned something about the last place he went to, like blinking out of existence or exploding or something <laughs> like that. So maybe the fate of the world is actually at stake, but we kind of, as an audience, don't feel that. We're just enjoying the party and we're laughing along with these characters at this point. And then you've got uh, 
Captain Marvel coming up in there, Carol Danvers with her party pooper energy, like hardcore. Like I, I didn't like this character at first. No. And I think they did intentionally. Uh, they wanted to kind of make her a little bit of a scold and and reference that because that's essentially that Brie Larson and the Captain Marvel movie, for whatever reason, kind of brought that vibe uh, in in press around the MCU. Just something about that. Like I, I like her. I actually really am a big mm-hmm. fan of Brie Larson. But I did recognize that there was some like just in the clips that I saw online of the, her takes on uh, certain things were kind of brought, a, for lack of a better word, some party pooper energy to the, the party that was the MCU, if you will. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people saw that and, and felt that she maybe thought she was above it or was, you know, coming in at this stage and going to somehow ele- elevate it. Uh, and and people resented that that she didn't feel more like maybe just grateful to be a part of it. Um, but, you know, I, I, I don't know if I want to give credence to any of that. I just know that this and the way that they referenced that and, and kind of dealt with that, uh, you know, in the meta sense on this episode was, was really cool. Uh, and I thought it were really funny too. And ultimately they, they paid it off without, without selling her out. When she arrives, I love how it was like she came through a map. It said France on it, you know, like yes. like it would look like it would look cool. like she was coming from a from like outer space or from like a globe. She busts through France and yeah. uh, they can see her from like a shooting star. Oh, look, Loki, it's a shooting star. Make a wish. Yes, yeah, a shooting star. I wish I wish. Oh, I've got it. I you know, they're just laughing. I can't tell you it'll ruin the magic. She shows up and she says, hey, white snake, we need to chat. Which I think is great because if you think about where she is, you know, White Snake is a popular reference. It is is a, a a band probably of the times of something that she knows of pop culture. It's very much like with Star Lord, you know, the things that he references and the music that he's listening to about sort of the time warp that that they're in. So she calls him White Snake, and Thor says, "My name is Thor," with a T and an R and an O and an H, but not in that order. She uh, says, uh, quite a party you're throwing. He says, isn't it the best? I mean, I'd hope the Ice Bros would show up, but Loki himself, Prince Loki. And Loki yeah. chim- chimes in, are you kidding, man? I would have missed this for the world, man. I love you, man. Like They're just going back and forth. And yeah, Captain Marvel tells him, listen, clean up this mess and leave the planet. Thor says, no, I like it here. Everybody here likes me. We we're having a great time until you showed up. And she even says, party's over, pal. He then uh, says how about you buzz off And he says you know there's a a Midgardian word for women like you And it's like uh oh What's he gonna say what's he gonna say And then he says party pooper There I said it And they all start laughing This was again This is Hemsworth just I can't imagine somebody else being that You, you hit it too The other there are other Voice actors in the series that fill in and do a really good job, but he just seems so perfect for Thor. He he is. I mean, they they perfectly cast a lot of the to, to their credit, like a lot of the MCU actors just seem like who else would have done this quite like that guy. Like you 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 would really say that about a lot of them. But uh, Hemsworth just brings something. There's there's a gravitas and a likability. Uh, and just a looseness, uh, like a surfer guy kind of charm to it that he brings. And it, it, he's he just seems f- like, I don't know, just funny and 
it magnetic in a, in a way like he is an absolute star but a star that is perfectly intertwined with this character and uh he he's made it his own he's made it iconic and it's cool to think also that you know with how much they've made this character change mm-hmm. and with, with the relationship with Taika Waititi uh and such a strong um creative mind behind the franchise right now uh, we could really see a lot more from him. This could be a long journey of him as Thor uh, because they're they're keeping it fresh. They're reinventing it. They're reinventing him. He looks different from movie to movie, and uh, and that's a that's a big aspect of it right there. And it, it, this is a, just another example of that. This is a Thor that we haven't quite seen before. This is the, the straight up fun Prince Thor, uh, and uh, yeah, it, it, he he plays those differences uh, really really well as well. So the party pooper says this one's for Fury and she knocks Thor with an uppercut sends him flying up into uh, into orbit basically yeah. and as she looks around at the rest of the people party and she's getting ready to clean up the mess she thinks it's over she thinks one punch and he's done but for she's forgetting Thor is very powerful himself that's what makes their interaction so great it's it is literally one of those what if Questions that people have all their life growing up. What if Spider-Man, Superman, Batman? You know, it's it's the exact same question. And these are two that you you think of because these are two of the most powerful of the Avengers. Yeah, and what if so and so fought so and so is like the the quintessential what if, right? From mm-hmm. when you're a kid, all that. Yep. Like when you're playing with action figures, that's what you're doing in your mind. You're like combine. I, like I would combine different. Um, different properties and my GI Joe's would find my Ninja Turtles and, and the, all, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, th- like, yeah, that's, that's just that thing that you want to know who would beat who in a fight. I'm going to be watching UFC later today. And that's the whole idea behind that sport is you get to know these characters and their different their styles. And... It's like, who, who would win? And would they, would it go the same down the same way every time? Probably not. Now we know that we know that from seeing fight multiple fights and rematches and stuff. We know for a fact mm-hmm. that, you know, they, they some guys have an off night or some guys get better D- people change uh you know you zig when you should have zagged there's just it's just you know percentages right it, it, you're so yep. deep in in all sports horse racing uh that's it's consistent across the board when you think Absolutely. about uh, that, who would who would win we're constantly trying to match up teams and match up opponents uh that's that's how we entertain ourselves so like that's what, one thing that they have to really do and deliver on in these what ifs and like we kind of said before this fight is dope like they oh, really make this and do some amazing things you mentioned that map shot i love that map shot right there like to just show the scale of it all and mm-hmm. it was visually something that you can do easily with um with uh, animation it just felt like something from an edgar wright movie or or something that's very visually imaginative something from from comic books you know uh it was it was delivering on all the promises you get them fighting across the world yeah. which is so first um cap when she thinks she's already done away with thor um Mjolnir comes back and just nails her and yeah. so they start going at it here and she says look pal i'm gonna count to three you're gonna put the hammer down okay here we go loki's watching he's excited and this they're battling all over the world she gets knocked into stonehenge we see them 
um, Thor ends up knocking the rocks over like dominoes. They are he just, that's such a great moment. <laughs> like, yeah. the, just the fact, just this one thing. She saves it. Like she knocks into one and it's like, no, 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 don't, don't, don't stop. Don't stop. <laughs> and he just follows her there and just kind of casually knocks it over just to mess with her. Great. Stonehenge Domino is another standout moment for this episode. He says, oh, but I just have to do a little boop. And then yeah. he just, <laughs> I just love that. It's like, he says, oh, no, your weird rocks have all fallen over. <laughs> boo hoo hoo. <laughs> was just Absolutely. hilarious stuff. And they continue to battle all over the place. And, and Thor um, screams as is uh, Captain Marvel throws him oh not the hair not the hair <laughs> she grabs him by the hair and just tosses him you know what this also reminded me of too just because of, of the animation and because of it it went on long in that in a good way it reminded yeah. me of the, the family guy with peter griffin and the chicken yeah. <laughs> where they're just keep going yeah. and they're just beating each other repeatedly and it just doesn't stop yeah. because you think it's over and then somebody pops out the other and just, uh, they just keep going i i got that feeling when i was watching this it was this epic epic battle we see them fly like as they're fighting they're flying through the sky like a meteor and they end up coming full circle right back in france it says you know what you need she says, a stiff drink in two weeks in Hawaii. A timeout. My mother punished me with timeouts all the time, but I never learned. But maybe they'll work on you because you're a party pooper. A party pooper. And they're all chanting, party pooper, 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 screaming at her. So she failed. She didn't get the job done initially. And we actually see Captain Marvel go back talking to Hill and some of S.H.I.E.L.D. And they're a little disappointed in her. Uh, just one more time on this first part of the battle because it's not the final one. They they do lock up again, but this this made me laugh. And I always love seeing when superheroes fight and they're able to knock each other through countries, through states, past all these huge monuments and things like that. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that um, Zack Snyder did really well in like Man of Steel and that he brought to the table in, uh, in live action for superhero movies. Uh, I, I'd never quite seen like... Uh, a fight like um, Superman versus Zod in Man of Steel. And it had that kind of thing, like just not on the, the, the same global scale, but just that massive superhero, like they was knocking over buildings and punching each other in the sky and just uh, doing things that only superheroes could do in a fight. Uh, we saw a lot of that. And there, and this fight had a lot of really cool, like quick moments, like close up, hand-to-hand stuff i might be blurring i know they fought twice but uh like going at it with the magic and well not magic but like energy blast type um attacks and uh you know throwing punches and more traditional (laughs) hand-to-hand combat stuff it was very well choreographed and orchestrated on screen um and uh, like just super top notch like I, i i think that through and through i've just been more and more impressed with uh, the level of animation in in this series, and I I I had a couple of criticisms early on about it, and I haven't since those early episodes seen the same things. I don't know if I'm just like well, I'm more with it now, and I just uh, into this style now, and not looking past them. But I feel like they've refined it. I agree. And it, and the, the action the, 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 sequences in particular. Action, yes, the fight like, scenes. Really 
the Black Panther one in Killmonger, you know, in the Killmonger episode when Black Panther arrives, and um, and this particular one too was just those are the ones some of the ones that stood out to me that just seemed very clean, very smooth. As um, yeah, they're back at Shield. Hill is upset, kind of frustrated, disappointed as she. Captain Marvel didn't get the job done Fury said you were the best That your punch was equal to 10 nuclear bombs That your cat could devour whole armies <laughs> Darcy says cat you've got a cat What's its name goose Oh Top Gun you're maverick <laughs> And uh, so Darcy is like Got a Sorry that, that reminds me of something if you don't mind um, Go ahead. I, I'm just thinking about it uh, And it's maybe a little bit about like a half cocked uh, Theory but I've been thinking about the idea That Marvel has these Sentient object sidekicks And I, I feel like the cat's Kind of an example of, of, of that Like in lieu of kind of having like The old school like Batman and Robin sidekick And granted There are sidekicks in the sense of like You know Iron Man has Happy Hogan And Spider-Man has um, I'm blanking on his name but his friend uh, Those types of sidekicks but there's also These sidekicks of like Doctor Strange's cape uh, The um Thor's Mjolnir. That's what kind of made me think of it earlier in this episode. Mjolnir like obeys Thor, but there's like a sentience to it in that it it has judgment. Like it 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 mm-hmm. it's imbued with the power to deem if the a person holding right it is wrong. worthy. Yeah. So yeah. All, uh, Iron Man has Jarvis. All these different um, sidekick that are that aren't you know a traditional like person character, but they're like an object that has a personality in a sense or, or some sort of a sentience to it. And I, I just thought that was kind of interesting and something that came up when I saw you know him uh, Thor use Mjolnir to to kind of win the fight because because when we what we saw there was Captain Marvel fighting Thor, but neither of them won that fight. Mjolnir won that fight. If you really think about it, yes, uh, kind of what spurred the, the the thought for me here. And then and then I started thinking about it more. And maybe that cat's in another example. And um, I was even thinking maybe it's maybe there's it, it goes beyond that. But uh, that's that's the end of my list as far as uh, <laughs> as, as far as I thought this theory through. So this is when uh, Darcy's really fangirling over Captain Marvel, and she's going crazy. She's by the way, I totally thought you were going to be a dude, Captain. But look, you're you're not. <laughs> And Captain Marvel explains If I exert my full powers I will blow a crater In this planet Taking down Kappa Kappa Frat Freak Won't be worth the fatalities <laughs> Then uh, they say what about South Dakota or North Dakota As you know <laughs> meaning a place That you could just blow up and it doesn't matter um, Pretty sure two Dakotas Right I mean there's two of them Just, just Dakota whatever And the phone rings Jane goes to pick it up and it's Thor He says hello Jane when can I see you again? You're the nicest, prettiest Midgardian woman I've ever met. He, uh, she asks, how many Earth women have you met? He says, a two, but the other one hit me with a bridge. And, well, that hurt more than my face. So she just sneaks away while they're trying to figure out what to do. They want to kill this guy. Captain Marvel couldn't get the job done, but she's just so smitten that, she, that she's on the phone with him right there, kind of hiding it from them, and that she's having the conversation. And... The girls, Hill, Darcy, and Captain Marvel continue to talk, trying to figure out what to do. Thor does mention that he didn't really destroy that planet, the party on Alpha Star. That that it was burning away, we just kind of helped it along, no one got hurt. So Jane feels a little bit better now knowing that 
Thor is not horrible. She's trying to make herself feel better for loving him, for for being infatuated with this guy. She's talking herself, and he's not that bad. Okay, okay. He didn't really kill anybody. He didn't know what he was doing. He's just sort of immature. Okay, I can work with that. And um, when they hang up, she accidentally says, I love you to him. She's got to go, I love you. <laughs> oh, I mean, bye. Which <laughs> is which is great. So she walks back to the conversation, and they want to kill Thor. Hill has basically come to terms with the idea that, yeah, you know, the Mojave Desert could withstand the hit, lure him to Siberia, and go kaboom on his ass. <laughs> so this this happened pretty quickly. Things escalated here. They're 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 ready to go after him. Yeah, uh, pr- pretty uh, intensely. I thought Shield overall was was kind of a meaner, more aggressive Shield. Maybe it's just because very much agree, and the Hill of, character too. Yeah, more more so than I was used to. Um, maybe I would. That's just the context of like Fury's down. So like we're we're being serious about this. It's like when um, you know police officers when one of their own gets gets, gets uh, shot, like they all get super serious. And I don't know. I, I maybe I watched too many episodes of the Shield or something. Okay. Like that, but, uh, <laughs> B99 yeah but <laughs> but no you're you're right it is that that is sort of a a different vibe to them and Jane you know obviously says you're not serious we're not going to kaboom him we're talking about the fate of the planet he's a lughead sure and far from the brightest crayon in the box but this plan is way over the top i refuse to let it happen and so hill just says okay thank you for your expertise dr foster but your assistance is no longer needed and they just drop <laughs> off jane and darcy and it's like okay well, it doesn't really matter because you're not in charge here. Adios. Goodbye. <laughs> Get out of here. I love that cut, too. It's 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 the, the editing there is funny. They just like cut to them on the side of the road driving away. We then see Thor drunk, ravenously eating at uh, I think he's Chinese food. Late night Chinese is the best. I love food. Uh, <laughs> oh, like, no. Loki. You know, they're hanging out. Hi, Loki, get your butt over here. You have to try these dumplings. So they're just the munchies, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like like I said, we know um, Thor likes his food from Endgame for sure. Uh, so uh, you, you also you got to have a lot of calories to, to pack on muscles like that. I mean, we've we've all seen the uh, the latest photo of uh, Taika Waititi and, and Chris Hemsworth on the set of, of Thor 11 Thunder with Thor with those goddamn 30 inch pythons those hulk hogan arms hulk that he's hogan arms like, man god he's hulk a good looking specimen he really is he is <laughs> there's lots of thor love here on uh on that's what she said as the so loki the phone rings and loki picks it up and it's jane and he's talking to her for a second and um this is where you know it's like how when one of your friends um, you know is on the phone And they won't give it to the girl and this kind of holding it That's sort of what Loki's doing here but She tries to get <laughs> him to give You know to get Loki to, to give Thor The phone but Loki Drops the phone and this is the yeah. point that You mentioned and Loki's so big That it, it's hilarious Yeah it's like he's trying to talk Into um, like a little SD Card <laughs> like that like a little micro SD card that you put in your phone Exactly so and just- it shatters We see it fall drop shatters and um funny moment so now you know jane can't interact with thor here and uh (laughs) so we we now we get to the point where jane realizes okay i couldn't warn him they're gonna try to kill him what do i what do i have to do now to 
to get this fixed. And that's when Darcy actually mentions, you know, the parents, teenagers throw a party, it gets out of control. So it sort of just triggers for Jane. Oh, you know what? You're right. If there's a Loki and a Thor, there must be an Odin and a Frigga and a Heimdall. So she actually finds a way to try to go up and alert Frigga. We'll get there in just a moment because the party continues to get out of hand on Earth on, Earth on Midgard TK. The Statue of Liberty, Mount Rushmore, oh, yeah. they're all you know getting ruined here. Um, the Statue of Liberty was pretty great, though. I, I don't know the name of the character. Uh, forgive me on that, but it's the uh, that giant demon from Ragnarok is like hitting on the Statue of Liberty at one point and just like burns her arm off. I thought that was a great visual gag. Really good stuff. And the Mount uh, Mount Rushmore is completely, you know, uh, soiled with stuff all over the place. And there's, you know, just a big party continuing to go on uh, all over. Is it the, the Golden Gate Bridge where they are, I think? And uh, <laughs> Thor's, watch me slide down that pointy thing. He's drinking. Everybody's cheering him on as he's doing different impressive feats and exercises as – he goes. I think they're in Australia at that point, right? That's by the Sydney Opera House. Okay. I think yeah, on yeah. that. There we go. Yeah, at that point, and he is intercepted by Captain Marvel while he's just kind of messing around, and they uh, re they reengage in their battle. We then we do flash back and forth a little bit, though. We check in with Jane one more time to see Jane and Darcy. Trying to align the satellites and trying to catch a signal, and they are actually able to to contact Heimdall. So we're getting this is what we get a lot in this in this episode or in this series where there are multiple stories being told. So we get the flash back and forth and and kind of quick cuts back and forth. And we got a little bit of them here seeing the party getting out of hand and seeing Jane trying to go uh, in contact with uh, with Heimdall and Frigga. Yeah, I, I, I love that use of cross cutting. We're, we're kind of following what what Jane and and um and Darcy are doing and uh brilliant uh, idea to kind of come to that conclusion that they're going to uh, not only have the idea to, to reach out to, uh, to Thor's parents, you know, across the universe, but to actually come up with the technology to do so. Uh, it's pretty awesome. And it makes, um, it makes uh, Jane's character that much more compelling and interesting and more of like a superhero. So what do you got to do? You got to go warn the parents, like we said, no, nothing else to do here, but tell right. Thor's mom that uh, things have gotten out of hand. So first, Jane actually sees Heimdall, and she <laughs> she says, so uh, about Thor, and then Heimdall is like immediately sends her over to Frigga, and while this is happening, Captain Marvel and Thor are brawling wow i actually fight that i actually felt that one like they're starting to get a little impact on each other and while that fight's happening colson hill and shield are getting ready to blow them up in fact hill even says yeah get ready whatever arm the nukes colson said i thought she was the nuke just in case she gets distracted by a cat hill is very uh Stoic, oh. not a you know cold. She's willing to sacrifice Captain Marvel and Thor both if she has to. Yeah, yeah, and kind of um, what's the word? Like uh, she's kind of being a little bit dismissive or de- derisive in uh the way she's talking about 
uh, Captain Marvel, distracted by a cat kind of thing. Like that's uh, there's almost a little disdain by that. You would you would assume, mm-hmm. so, which is kind of weird. Uh, I immediately start thinking like, is this a scroll thing? What's going on? Is this the real? We we've, we've seen that before, right? Like where it's uh, oh, I forget even what movie that was. It might have been Captain Marvel. It might have been a Spider Man movie. Uh, but at the, like where they were, you know, Fury was revealed to be a scroll in disguise, and uh, I believe Agent Hill was as well. Uh, so I'm skeptical this whole time of is this the the hill we know or maybe it's just that you know it's an alternate universe this is a different version of shield and a different version of these these characters that comprise shield jane has arrived to talk to frigga and uh she drinks along with her is that chardonnay and <laughs> she tells frigga what's been happening with thor um she says you know she she basically warns him he's in trouble he's on earth while this is going on, the battle continues between Captain Marvel and Thor. And I just love them fighting back and forth. And there was the moment where everything is about to come together. We have these three different things sort of happening. Jane's up with Frigga. S.H.I.E.L.D. is getting ready to launch a nuke. And Thor and Captain Marvel are battling. And right as they are about to launch the nuke, Frigga shows up. She's able to use the magic to appear... Right there to 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 talk to Thor. She she says like any mom or parent would. You know you get the official name Thor, Crown Prince of Asgard, only son of Odin. What are you doing, <laughs> oh, mother, mother? Oh no! So I did kind of like how that the you know, the timing of everything happened right as they were all about to come together. Here comes Frigga to save the day. Yeah, yeah, it's that it's that whole thing of like it. At the end of the movie, it, it all has to culminate at at once and uh, and and go big on it. And like that, I love the um that that moment at the end of the uh, party, like when uh, or at the party movie when the parents show up and and kind of like spoil everything or like everyone's got to kind of answer for what's been going on the, the whole time. Uh, but I, I just thought it was a super super fun twist on that with with like being the, the whole world and the, the the globe as the as the house and, and we've got. Um, you know Thor's mom Frigga as a uh, as the mom coming home from vacation uh, a little a little early spoiling he, the fun. He even uh, says you must be using a lot of dark magic just to check in on me. Yeah. And um, she uh, said I had a visitor. She's worried about you. And he knows Jane sold me out. She said you were on Misgard. So he lies. He says, well, she's mistaken. I'm obviously in my room studying. And then a polar bear walks by <laughs> in the background. And uh, she says, do not tell falsehoods to your mother. Thor then goes, oh, you mean Earth. Sorry, I misunderstood that Earth. Oh, the locals call it that. Yes, right, sorry. Confused there for a moment. Me and my study group, we actually came down here for a cultural exchange. Cultural exchange, huh? Really? Okay, I I gotta see this. I'm cutting my trip short. I'm coming there, and I expect to see your full syllabus when I arrive. (laughs) And she's the the thing that I love the most about this was so right when this happens and Frigga leaves, both Captain Marvel and Agent Hill, like they're done with Thor. And they're like, oh no, his mom's coming. That's enough punishment. Yeah. We don't we don't need to punish him anymore. Oh, mom mom's on the way. Nope, we're good. We're good. You know, I, uh, that was the worst punishment. Is that you know, don't tell my mom or dad. Please don't tell my mom or dad. Oh no. Yep, we're good. We don't have to worry about anything else. And then, and they're right because immediately he just turns to like, "How do I fix everything right now? I got we we got to clean up." It's that moment in the in the house party movie 
where they realize mom, mom and dad are coming home early. We, everybody out of the house or help me clean all this shit up right now. Uh, there's no way we can possibly get this done in time. And it's, it's really funny moment. I think, uh, coming up right here with him, just like pleading to everybody for help while they're all just kind of bailing on him. He's begging them. So he's been caught. Mom is on the way. It is time to clean up the mess. We see this scene happen in all of these movies and shows we were talking about. You got to try to clean everything up, throw it all in the closet, get the trash bags. You know, who can help you come clean everything up as he he pleads to everyone. He pleads to them. Please, please help. Excuse, uh, please help me. My mother is coming. <laughs> First, Captain Marvel says, my suggestion, start in the corners, clean your way around or clean your way <laughs> outward. He says corners, corners, but it's a sphere. And then, and then <laughs> he he goes to everyone who's still partying. Uh, excuse me, ladies. Uh, I'm sorry, but I'm or no like that. This was Frigga who said that um, earlier. She, Frigga tells her friends that she's got to leave to go see Thor. And this is when Thor asks Loki and everybody else for help. I need your assistance. Says, uh, you know, we need to clean things up here, and and nobody will help him. Says I'm not joking. My mother is coming. No more slingshots. No more destruction. We need to clean this mess up and go home. And Drax is puking. He's puking his guts out. And nobody wants this party to stop. He said, you know, screaming at them. And Loki finally jumps in and says, "Hmm, she's not my mother. You know, I'm your brother from another mother. Remember? Come on, Ice Bros. Let's leave." So everybody bails on him. All the people he was partying, he was buying them drinks. It was the place to be. And then as soon as he needs their help, they bail on him. What a bad bunch of friends, TK. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, he has to raise his voice and kind of get threatening for them to to help out. And um, but it is funny though the way they're all just kind of bailing and making funny references uh, to different things. So uh, it makes for a nice moment. Uh, I kind of don't understand. Uh, why everybody does help? Uh, he, he gets threatening, and it just everybody kind of changes on a dime. Um, but uh, I I really enjoyed right around here uh, uh, Drax's uh, hilarious moment, like you are the party pooper now, like that. That to me stood out uh, as being one of the funniest parts of uh, of this episode, and it was a funny episode. Look who's pooping the party now! It's you. Yeah. You are pooping the party. So Thor gets gets serious as you know Loki and the Frost Giants say, "Let's bounce. Party's over." Um, and Thor to uh, Mjolnir, give me all father, give me strength. And Nebula leaves. They're all leaving. Thor. Now gets really serious People, beings Please everyone you must stay and help He's kind of crying to them And then he is demanding You will listen to me And they do <laughs> They get a little scared He says my mother is coming And he says Frigga she is not happy She's really mad And they all quickly fix everything That they ruined The scene of the fixing things the cleaning up of Mount Rushmore, the putting back up of Stonehenge, and then fixing the leaning tower of Pisa. <laughs> they put it back straight. It's like, nah, that that thing's leaning. You're good there. You don't need to put that back straight. <laughs> that was this was a great uh, sequence as well, um, and it's it's really good because it's it's something that you can kind of only do in an animation. Like they they pushed the um, 
the credibility, I guess. And so they push the, the realism to a hyper extent in this point, uh, in this uh, episode. And uh, I think it's all for the better, honestly. It's something that they you can pull off in animation. And uh, they, they did it really... It, it, it's a funny concept, and visually they, they made it work. Like, it's absurd to think about. Like, if you think about it for more than 10 seconds, it makes no sense whatsoever. But it's like, it's a cartoon, and like... That's what I love again about this uh, series is that we can we can have fun in different kind of ways with it. I thought this was this episode was on the level in some ways of some of my favorite episodes of The Simpsons. Maybe maybe I'm crazy for saying no, that. No, I know I, what you mean. I got like I got Family Guy vibes through a lot of it too. I mentioned the Family Guy scene. Like I got the feel of really funny, well done animation. It 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 had a much different feel to it than the more serious ones and I don't mean that in a good or a bad way I genuinely do just mean different because I loved the weight we both did of of some of the real serious episodes that we talked about leading up to this they made it they made things feel important they made things you made you really invest in like I was emotionally invested in what was going on in the Doctor Strange one and then all these guys everybody's getting killed and this and that and this was different in that it was lighter and it was fun but it was it, it didn't feel – I think maybe the first time I, I saw it through, I, I sort of thought kind of going where you were going is like mm, maybe this feels less important than the other ones. But I don't – it is standalone like you were saying. It doesn't feel as connected until the very end, until yeah. we get that, oh, wait, no, things don't end up all happy for them here. Yeah. It's just a minute. And um, so, yeah, that's that's what really seems uh, to, to me to – that I why I enjoyed this episode too. It, it was different, and not like when somebody says different, you know. And how was I? Was I better than her? I mean, you were different. Don't ever say that. <laughs> Don't ever say that. This time, I actually mean yeah, you were yeah. different in a good way, TK. Right? <laughs> good way. Yeah, and that's that's again the premise of this show uh, is that you're gonna get different in a good way every time out. Uh, and and this had familiar elements to it. I think that was one of the strong points is that it started from a lot of familiar elements. Um, the characters were essentially a mashup of Thor and uh, Guardians characters, which is you know consistent with uh, those movies so far. They've kind of uh, mashed up together for natural reasons. They're kind of galactic level heroes. Um, I also bring in throwing Captain Marvel there as well. They she also has that in common. Um, but yeah, this was different in a good way in that, uh, and when I said before that it was, uh, maybe felt a little standalone, I actually don't, I didn't, um, begrudge that even a little bit. I actually thought that was nice. It was, it was a nice, uh, change. I just matter. I I just care that it's good. What matters to me Mm -hmm. is that it's good and that I, I, I'm moved. So the fact that it's like engaged and I felt like it was, it was a fun episode. It was moving at a good clip. There are lots of lines that made me laugh out loud, lots of sight gags. The animation was really beautiful. It, it had some of the best elements, I feel, of, of Disney animation and, like, the, the emoting. And then the, the, the voiceovers were just nailing it, like, through and through. There wasn't a whole lot of swing and misses in terms of the writing. Like, I thought it was actually some really clever stuff there. It wasn't even just plain, oh, that's a clever reference or that's a deep cut thing. But it was like really just funny line deliveries and things like that. It just made it come alive, made it super entertaining and, uh, and uh, made it worthwhile, I thought. And then you get that cherry on top, the icing on the cake uh, of that final epilogue where we see this, this big bad, potential big bad for the series that, like you mentioned, 
that is super compelling. I mean, it's a combination of characters that we've seen before, um, but it's uh, it's 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 totally new in a way. And um, I kind of veered off from one of the points I wanted to make, but just that how it started from a familiar place. Another way that it did that, like thematically, uh, it was thematically a comedy and also uh, a romance uh, with some good action. That's Thor right there. That's the Thor franchise. So it started from a place that was consistent with what we know, but then gave us all these fresh takes and blending and remixing. And again, just delivering on the premise uh, of this series. Uh, and, and that's why I'm still invested. That's why I'm going to be watching next week. And uh, that's why I think this is some top tier, uh, not just Marvel, but top tier animation, top tier TV. So Frigga ends up uh, showing up on, on Midgard on Earth. And when she shows up, Thor has done an amazing job. Everything's cleaned back up. Milo's in the background. He's he's happy to be uh, in the mix here. And they're, they look like they're in a class. It looks like Thor is teaching a class, which is just yes. – they're everybody's sitting down you know like indian style kind of right there oh hello mother good to see you welcome to our study group (laughs) and and the look on frigga's face is awesome she cannot believe this she can't believe it everybody he says to the class everyone say hello to mother and the whole class repeats hello mother frigga (laughs) in, in unison and uh, to end our studies, what do we always say, class? Learning is magic. <laughs> it was brilliant. And everybody's playing along here with Thor, and they're all aboard. And he says, see, Mom, you know, I told you I was on an educational cultural exchange. Did you know that Midgard is the birthplace of the Snuggie? <laughs> and she – like that, That's a great line right there. Like that's <laughs> a, 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 kind of a family guy line, uh, <laughs> but just – Super funny. I think I laughed out loud uh, when I first heard that one. And it, it, it just those are peppered throughout this episode. Her jaw literally drops and she's uh, like she cannot believe it. And he says, Mother, you doubt. But look at all this learning. And then here comes Captain Marvel. She's even happy. Even this is what happens at the end of a lot of these movies or stories, right? Even the people who were your enemies throughout or the people who you thought were going to you know, sabotage you. They appreciate the fact that you stepped up and you matured a little bit. So Captain Marvel appreciates that Thor cleaned up his mess. So she even jumps in to try to help sell this a little bit more. She even says, oh, hey, look, here's some of the uh, things that you asked for. The information on human civilizations. I loaded a few documentaries, PBS specials, NPR podcasts. I'll call you ne- next week to discuss it. That, I love that part, too. She she was his big enemy. They literally fought throughout a lot of this episode. but yet. <laughs> Once he did what he was supposed to, she said okay. And I think she does get sort of a come to circle moment, uh, you know, in that, you know, it, it does make her come off a little bit better that she showed up here to help at the end. I, I felt that way, at least about her character. Yeah, and that's what I was getting at before that, you know, they they didn't totally sell her out. They, they you know, she, she was a little bit of an antagonist early, but like a well-intentioned and a correct, in, you know, antagonist and technically probably the protagonist. But uh still came off unlikable that whole time and then this was just her saving grace right here that you know what she's not going to be bitter she's not um going to be like vengeful or anything like that she's going to help him out he he's trying to do well and then she's going to be there for him so like that 
just as a viewer, you immediately go, ah, she's all right. And she's good. She's cool. And that was really pretty badass what she did before anyway. So you, know, you, you kind of take the whole thing in retrospect and you remember all the badass fighting mm-hmm. and you remember that she was cool in the end. And that's kind of what you walk away from. And, you, and in my mind, they've done a little, uh, a little bit of magic here and just kind of rehabilitating and, and using her character in a good way to kind of keep that kindling uh, alive. Because I don't think there's a whole lot of love for Captain Marvel, no. even right now. Uh, but this, this just kind of did that for me. It got, it, it brought mm-hmm. back that arc of like, this is a cool character, pretty badass, uh, very powerful character within the concept, um, in the context of the MCU. Uh, and sometimes that can be a double-edged sword, right? Like sometimes people use that as a knock against, uh, like Superman, for instance, mm-hmm. as popular Superman is, they say like, maybe he's too powerful and that makes him boring. You know, some people would say that, uh, and you could say the same thing. Those people would probably say the same thing about Captain Marvel. But what we saw here, I think, was a pretty cool iteration of her character. And uh, not that I wasn't before, but I'm renewed in my excitement for, you know, the next time we're going to see her on screen, Carol Danvers. I feel I just feel better about her than I did before this episode. Just a little mm-hmm. bit, you know, and even if it's just a little bit, I think that's a good a good way to want to nudge people, um, you know, to, to, to yeah. yeah, to continue telling her story as uh, she introduces herself to Frigga. Kirk says, I know who you are. Thank you for helping to educate my son. We know that they've been watching Midgard and they see everything that goes on for years and, and years. And as uh, she says, let's go, darling, to Thor, he says, oh, almost forgot. And he goes to to <laughs> signal for Mjolnir and Mjolnir is just covered in stickers in like Mardi Gras beads. It's been painted, graffitied all over. There's like. I think a woman's lingerie, maybe, or like yeah. a blanket or something stuck to it. It was that exact moment that we get again that have repeated that the trope where it you it looks like you got the it looks like you made it. It looks like you got away with it. Parents got home, they didn't know you threw the big party, you cleaned everything up, you threw it all away. But then there yeah. was that one thing in the spot that somebody forgot to get, and it's back there, and mom is going to see it. And that was exactly what this moment was. He almost nailed it, but she looks over and he says, Mother, I can explain. Although you you don't get the sense that Frigga was even really mad here. Um, I think she probably was even impressed with him that he was able to uh, to clean everything up and then uh, seem responsible at the end. But I thought that was just a, a great way to put a bow on that whole you know parents away the, the, the kids will play. Yeah, she was. Uh, she uh, knew what to expect from her son, uh, so that's why she was kind of shocked to see uh, him appearing otherwise at first, at least. And he kind of pulled it off. And then they had that moment at the end where it, it, like, like you mentioned. And I'm picturing like, I don't know if this is an actual thing that's happened, but I'm just picturing the dad in the sitcom or something. And they're like, all right, place looks great. And then he goes to like put his uh, coat away in the closet, opens the door and like all his trash falls out onto the floor. I'm just picturing that moment at the end of a, a sitcom. I'm sure it exists somewhere. So uh, our final sort of little scene here is with Thor. He, he's got some flowers for Jane and he says, thanks. You know, he, he says, you called my mother on me. That wasn't a cool thing to do, but it was the right thing to do. So thank you. And uh, she says, you're welcome. He says, I'll, I'll call you cools. <laughs> she says, no it's not cools And then he you know every time That's the, the best part of the character Is that when he has The moments of because he's never Really a dick 
You know, he's just sort of self-absorbed and selfish And when he has those moments where you really want to hate him He then has these genuine moments Where he's mm-hmm. so nice and sweet And he tells her, I thought we had something I, I really yeah. like you, Jane And not just because you're a genius You're also very attractive And and she interrupts Well, then ask me out on a date he gets proper Jane Foster It would be my honor to take you on a date Before you answer let me say that I know a whole planet Full of unicorns Even the waiters are unicorns It's wonderful <laughs> She chuckles and sounds delightful Pick me up at 8 So whoa we got an episode Everything is fine It all's happy go lucky Everybody's smiling We're going to get these two lovebirds to start a date The watcher even tells us A world restored Love blossoming As children both human and Asgardian say together they lived happily ever after. That as he says that, he blinks for a second. And what happens when you blink? You miss something. There's something that you didn't see. Even if you only close your eyes for a split second, it means you didn't see what was happening. And that's what we're starting to realize with the watcher. Because he says, Wait, what? Huh? Oh dear. Perhaps I spoke too soon. And we see. Uh, a time portal open up And the drones Led by this infinity Gauntlet Ultron Ultra vision looking like Master boss character Appears and Not everything is all Hunky dory in uh, <laughs> the land of Thor and Jane So we now know that This this is episode 7 This is a 9 mm-hmm. episode series there are 2 more left Following this and this creature This figure that we we Saw feels like one That's sort of been a combination Of a lot of things that we've seen throughout the Episode so this does feel Like I'm assuming the big boss Of this particular series with a couple Episodes left to go do you think it's Whether it's fury or Whoever someone trying to to You know rally the team rally the troops Travel is it the watcher the watcher Steps in and, and has to Wait did I miss something and now I have to get involved Is it the watcher that plays that Nate that or that fury role And and has to try to you know Pick people from different timelines I'm really really intrigued About where they're going to go and, and how They're going to wrap it up now in the next two episodes Yeah I mean there's just so Many possibilities again that's the Conceit uh, here and that's What's so beautiful about it uh, is because We really can't predict it there's stuff that we Hope for but they could go any way with it. They could choose to kill any of these characters, bring back anyone. Um, uh, and it's, it's the limit is really the writer's imaginations with this. But it is clear that they're they're building towards something, that they're continuing these stories. They keep ending on these cliffhangers. They keep introducing new iterations of characters. And, you know, Marvel's not just going to say goodbye to this IP that they worked really hard on, these new characters uh, that they can sell action figures for and, and merchandise for, like – they're not just going to one and done all these like characters they're introducing. They, they, it's smart that they have a plan for it in a, in a business sense alone. Uh, so we're definitely going to see more of it. My hope is that basically every character that we've seen introduced episode to episode is going to show up again in some other um, regard. And they're all going to form this, you know, Guardians of the Multiverse Avengers team. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by that. I've said before that. Um, Dr. Strange, you know, the, the version of Dr. Strange that we saw in what if that was uh, like a finite story in the end of his tale, but is it, if we can go back in time across these universes, can the watcher uh, change his mind about interfering at that moment and pluck him out 
of uh, before before um, his universe collapses into nothingness, pluck him out and you put him on this Guardians of the Multiverse team. That's a very powerful version of Doctor Strange that we haven't seen before and a dark version of, of Doctor Strange that we haven't seen before. So that would be really cool and kind of interesting to see uh, play out and to not be done with him. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind that, even though it kind of betrays the uh, the finality of death. And I think that's that's one of the knocks against multiverses mm-hmm. and time in these stories is that you know it almost takes away stakes in that regard if you tell a good story and then you get invested in a character um you know what the stakes can just come from what that character wants ultimately and if we like the character we're going to want that character to get what they want and then so the obstacles that they're facing it's going to be entertaining for us to watch them do that if if done correctly that's it, it can still work uh, and I think, you know, this is showing us an example of that for sure, uh, that it can still work. And you know what? The existence of comics in general, and all the iterations throughout the years shows that that can still work. That, you know, it doesn't matter that you you can reboot Spider-Man. You can kill a, uh, a major character like Superman even, reboot it and, and move forward uh, and still make great Superman content. There's There's no rule against that. It's all about... You know, the stories you're trying to tell and setting up uh, stakes originally within the, the context and framework of that story. It doesn't need to be about life and death necessarily. Um, there can be uh, there's there's no rules to this stuff at, at, at the end of the day. There's just uh, guidelines and insights that we can make into uh, why we appreciate certain things and why stuff works or maybe doesn't work on screen. But, uh, you know, it, uh, it's it's just badass that they're they're doing this again. I. We're, we're, I'm effusive in my praise as as usual, but uh, they keep kind of topping themselves, and uh, I don't want to be inauthentic and just be like a hater for no reason. No, uh, it, it's different, and, and that's the key. It's different. It's good. It's different. It's good. Different. Like we said, re- for for yeah. reasons. That's what we wanted with this show, and it's um, it's scratching all those itches that I wanted with with what you know with what I what I was hoping for from this show, and uh, we have two. Episodes left. Any final thoughts on episode seven before we get out of here, TK? I just hope there's more funny uh, coming up. Uh, I hope there's more mm-hmm. funny, just like what we saw in this episode, but different. You know, different but same. Kind of the, like that's, and that's I think the if be- this Thor is in here, we will. Right? I expect him to still. You Thor and Jane are probably going to be part of. You know, they got to get Thor, Thor and Jane and and some of the. You know, they got to go get everybody else. Maybe one or two of the main characters from each of the episodes that we've seen to team up to whatever. I think. Him being in there is definitely going to add some light to whatever situation he's in. I I so agree, and I'm so glad you mentioned that because it was a thought I had as well, and I, I wanted to, to uh, touch on that. Just that, yeah, this version of Thor, this kind of reset version of Thor, will be a very fun addition to like an Avengers because we have the Thor that we know right now, but this Thor is just a, a world away from that. And it, it now we have the benefit of like being in a more like comedic uh, era uh, of Thor's character, but also. Is reset. So just like how we saw in Loki, we can go on his journey again. We can retrace certain steps, but we can go in different directions. It opens up new pathways for us to basically enjoy time with the same character, but uh, tell different stories with it. And uh, I think that's that's super dope. Um, and it's kind of cool that there's one character, at least on the team, that's that's different and and definitely very specifically different, but. Not that far from the version that we saw in, you know, the the proper timeline that we're 
familiar with Tim Kelly will be here again with us next week To talk about episode 8 of What If We'll have uh, a recap of Shang-Chi coming for you Sometime soon when we when we uh, have an opportunity To get together and, uh, and hammer that one out So we will do a full recap on that movie Coming soon too But we'll finish up with uh, episodes 8 and episode 9 Coming up over the next few weeks TK thank you so much double duty today For the p- folks that don't know We actually did re- we recorded back to back episodes of, uh, of 6 and 7 so it's a long time For you to sit down and hang out with me And hear my voice I really appreciate it And make sure to give Tim a follow <laughs> On uh uh, social media there, buddy. Uh, Tim is not funny. Instagram, Twitter, Ice Cream Fire, anywhere you get your music. And uh, yeah, man, thanks again. Really appreciate you uh, you hanging out so much of your uh, of your Saturday when we were recording this. And I know the folks out there really appreciate your insight. Absolutely, thank you. Great to be here, and I look forward to next time. Don't go anywhere, folks. We'll uh, wrap up this episode of That's What G Said. Make sure to give Tim a follow out there and uh, to follow along and subscribe with the uh, where you can get their music. So. Don't go anywhere. Plenty more on That's What G Said. And that's going to do it for this episode of That's What G Said podcast. Uh, sorry again uh, about the uh, the start of the show. If it was a, a little echoey, we got it fixed up throughout, and um, we'll make sure that that doesn't happen again. Big thank you to Tim Kelly for uh, Double Duty. We went through a lot of What If uh, on episodes 6 and 7. And thank you to Joey for helping out with the theme songs. We're going to have some new um, little... Uh, Intros for some of our segments coming up soon He is working hard for us Good friend of mine and you could tell super talented So thank you to Joey Thank you to Tim for helping out Hopefully uh, make some money for you On Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday Don't forget Santa Anita on Friday So those past performances will come out on Tuesday We'll start handicapping right away Final week of MLB by uh, That's this time next week We'll know what the playoff situation is going to look like NFL will jump into week 4 coming up uh, Santa Anita, Stable Duel, they are daily racing form. Make sure to uh, get to BTV Bets on Twitter. Support all of the sponsors and all the people who help us here on That's What G Said. CindyCarava.com, SarahCandles.com, OldSmokeClothing.com. Have a great, great rest of your week, folks. We'll be back in a few days here on That's What G Said.